Hello, everyone. Welcome to Line of Succession. I am Leon here. I am joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer! Say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Oh, my gosh, Spencer. Here we are. Week two of Succession. How do you feel? What did you think? I feel Give like me we, your initial reactions. I feel like we got episode one, part two, and I loved it. If we could just have these characters talking in a room together, I'll be relentlessly entertained, more so than all the spectacle that it, these, sh- these shows could present me. It's wonderfully written, wonderfully acted, and it made for some engaging television to just try to get into the inter- inner thoughts of the characters as to in what way they felt the winds were blowing. Okay, so you did like the episode because there was some talk online, some chatter that it might have been a little bit more of a boring episode, not as much happening. It was a lot of dialogue, but you're in the camp of this was entertaining. Check, check mark from Spencer. Uh, quite a bit. I very much like this episode. I felt it was breezy in its pace and seeing the characters interact with each other with this amount of tension in the background of this new divide in the family. I'm engaged. I'm very much enjoying it. Interesting. I feel like it was the COVID episode. You know, the, the production got uh, disrupted due to COVID. I feel like maybe they wrote this one to like to film this one <laughs> during the COVID when they really only had like two or three areas they could actually film in because they did, there was like maybe what, five rooms total in an hour? There was not many rooms that the, these characters were in. No, no. We had an exterior shot at one point between a, between a, 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 between a grandson and a grandfather, so that had some variety, but it, it was a bit of a bottle episode in terms of the various settings we were jumping between. Yeah, you know, just not many rooms. There was that one. What? What? Uh, Sophie. Yeah, that's it. Sophie's room. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, they did <laughs> have that one. Remembered his daughter's name. Okay, here we are on Line of Succession. We are in week two of our coverage of season three of HBO Succession. Here on Line of Succession, we like to go through a recap. I lead the recap every week, so I will be leading the recap, and then we jump into our segments. We do Line of Succession, that is best line of the episode, where we review the best line of dialogue. Uh, that we could find in the episode that week. And I actually award that. I remember a best line of the episode, although Spencer supplies me with many nominees. And we award Roy of the episode, where we select a winner among the Roy family of the episode. Usually we talk about who's the loser too, but formally we award a winner. And then my favorite three minutes of the week, Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. Spencer, do you have any relationship advice of the episode? For this episode? Do you think I would let you down? I know how much you enjoy this for no damn good reason. Maybe maybe some maybe some family relationship advice here. I on think this show? Really? That sounds like it's going out on yeah. a limb. There really wasn't that much romance going on. I mean, there was a little bit of shift Tom, but there, there wasn't much. It was mostly just the, the sibling rivalry uh, and sibling discussions all around what Kendall has done. So that's how we're going to structure it here on Line of Succession. Before we get going, if you enjoy our podcast, if you like listening to us, Gab, if you're having a good time here on Line of Succession, you can go to any podcast platform that you use. Heck, the one you're listening to right now, type in Mangum Talks and all of our material will pop up. We have done review podcast galore. We've done Ted Lasso. That's called the Lasso Lowdown. We've done HBO's The Nevers. It's called Nevers More. We have a, a general podcast feed uh, called uh, Mangum Talks TV, where we review any number of things, everything from the Queen's Gambit to Chernobyl to Star Wars. If you like hearing us talk, there's plenty of content out there. So just type in Mangum Talks. That's M-A-N-G-U-M Talks into your favorite podcast provider and you will get all of our material. So that's the housekeeping, Spencer. I say we jump into it. Are you ready for the recap? Hey, you're doing all the work. I'm just here for the entertainment. All right, let's do it. Episode two, mass in time of war. So I took that to mean like they were like mass, like a church mass. That's how I read it. Yeah. 
like they're having church mass in time of war, like which like almost like the uh, the war war what was it World War One soccer game over Christmas. That kind of Remember thing, that, the, the, that story, the, the Christmas truce kind of thing. It, it, it definitely is a very meditative episode in terms of all of our characters, just as you noted, sitting in rooms and talking to each other about what they intend to do. Yeah, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting thing to talk about uh, in the recap because it's just basically dialogue after dialogue. It's not a lot of action. So yeah, episode two, Mass in the Time of War. Before we get going into the recap, the most important thing I'll talk about this episode by far happened first second into your your when you press play on hbo max and that is curb your enthusiasm is back i figured yes. you'd be happy about that Woo! larry david's back if you have never checked out curb your enthusiasm god bless you my sweet summer child it is the probably the best television comedy of all time it's been spanning now i don't know i don't know three or four presidential de- uh presidential administrations it's been on forever it's back it's better than ever check out curb your enthusiasm so that gets advertised first and then we go into our cold opening cold opening is one minute and 25 seconds before we get brief. The, the music it was pretty brief so that starts with shiv in the car where's she going where's she going i don't know uh she watched news coverage on her ipad really got a big good belly laugh when she got a phone call <laughs> and it was logan and it was a picture of saddam hussein in the background gotta love the family relations on this show yeah so she has her dad programmed in as a picture of saddam hussein on her on her on her iphone logan's calling um uh roman to uh ask if he knows where shiv is uh logan is belly aching that he needs to know where everyone is where is everybody he asks Roman where uh, where he is. Roman says, you know, uh, if we're a shit shave in a shower. Uh, Logan's like, ah, no, you're not, uh, son. Cool story, but you're not. I need. Um, and then he says he needs Connor studied. He needs Marsha. He needs Shiv. He needs Ray and Sid and fucking. Oh, I need you showing your face for me, son. Uh, so Logan really kind of in a panic mode here at the beginning of the episode. It mm-hmm. seems uh, not knowing. I think he feels what what I got from this is that he felt very out of control where he was. So obviously he's in a foreign country. He doesn't know where people are. People aren't answering their cell phone. Shiv is dark for him for what? 55 minutes of this hour long episode. So he doesn't know where she is. We're just getting a panicked Logan. We, this is also coming off the end of the last episode where the last thing we saw was Logan being surprised that his son got a, got got one step ahead of him with respect to hiring an attorney. So this seems to be coming right off that of where now that he sees that his preferred counsel that everyone was recommending is now working for his son and coming off that and realizing how much is, how many steps ahead his son is, there's definitely a, we need to catch up. We need to catch up kind of going into his mindset from here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he does tell Roman that he wants him to keep an eye on Jerry. Keep her mm-hmm. close. I trust you. It just had to be Jerry for now. Okay. Roman. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I get it dead. Hey, so here's where I think this is setting up. I'm going to go ahead and just lay the gauntlet. I'm going to put my prediction out there. Please. I think that this is setting up for the thing that's going to cripple Logan. That's going to burn him is his blind spot to the relationship between Roman and Jerry. This is he the- does not know. That when when push comes to shove, if he tries to sacrifice Jerry, he's going to lose Roman. And I don't think he knows that. And I think that's going to come back to bite him. This is the one thing he has a complete absence of knowledge about. Everything else he seems to be almost just godly aware of. This one, we've had no hint that he has any backing on, on this topic. Now, you, you, you framed it the way I agree with, but I'd be curious whether the mirror and inverse would also be true. That if he moves to sacrifice Roman or do anything to Roman, will Jerry stand up for Roman? That I don't think we know. 
Roman, I think, would fall on his sword for Jerry. I don't know if the reverse is I true. So. I agree. Uh, I'm not. I'm not quite sure that the the relationship is equitable. I'm not sure that the the love quotia is balanced on our Quotient. checking account or whatever the fuck Tom said. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the same uh, between the two of them. Uh, cut to Kendall. He's asking Greg to call his granddad. I guess uh, maybe you just ought to do that, right? So this is a very small, very teeny attempt by Greg to remove himself from this situation. Uh-huh. He has been saying, he, he says later in the episode, he really doesn't want anything to do with this, right? So he gets a call from Tom. Absolutely love that we get Tom being weird to Greg. I've missed it, it so much. Uh, it's the best. Uh, he asks um, if he's concerned that he's tied his dick to a runaway train. Are you Judasine? Are you what? Greg? Well, that, that, that's Kendall that says those Oh, that's lines. Kendall. Kendall. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, we get that later. But the, uh, the, also Kendall being very strange with him. He asks him if he's got tied his dick to a runaway train. Are you Judasine? Uh, Kendall asks Greg to come huddle. He asks him what's up. Greg, I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I'm a bit scared. Like, you know, I, I, I still really want to go to Congress again. I'm kind of too young to be in Congress so much. My favorite line of the episode. That's such a it's such a uh, funny, correct way of expressing that. Yeah, Greg finally breaks down and says that Tom keeps calling him. Kendall says he doesn't have to tell the government where he got the papers. Basically saying, hey, look, man, I can keep you completely out of this. I don't have to tell the government where I got the papers. I do want to comment here uh, on how much taller Greg is than Kendall. I mean, he is a good, Greg. solid 10 inches tall. I mean, Jeremy Strong is short, and this, this guy who plays Greg is very, very tall. It is a, it's 10 to 12 inches, I've calculated uh, in my mind's eye here. I, I'm perfectly willing to believe that they've cast James Cromwell as his grandfather or Greg as the grandson, just so that we actually have two actors they don't have to struggle to keep in the same frame together as two really tall dudes. Because that'd be the scene. Greg, I feel like the actor who plays Greg is to hunch over just to fit in the frame of all of, all of the other um, members of the Roy family. Yeah, absolutely. There's some short folks. I mean, you know, guy who plays Brian Cox or Brian Cox, guy who plays Logan, is also really short. I also want to point out that, like, while uh, I am a podcast professional, professional, I did just screw up the fact that Kendall was talking to Greg as opposed to Tom. But I will give myself this credit that both of those characters in talking to Greg reference his dick. I just want to point out <laughs> that Greg's getting a lot of dick talk this episode. It's pretty strange. There's a lot of big dick politics that goes into this episode, period. It is very much as I think as Logan said really early in season one, sometimes it is a dick measuring contest. And I think that's reflecting how some of the characters are acting and behaving. Poor Jess, who has just a tough job right now, cuts him off, comes in, explains that Remy is there. We get this from Kendall, really setting the tone for my man Kendall this episode. Oh, what up, Remy in the house? Big things, big things. Okay. All right. He's not calmed down yet, Spencer. He's still riding, a that, bit, riding that high. A bit. He's a he's much more level this episode than he was last time. I think we can agree. At least uh at least toward the end. Um he, he is pretty he is pretty still jazzed at the beginning big things big things kendall reassures greg he did the right thing kendall says he can settle his stomach uh he can set him up with a lawyer uh this becomes a theme through the episode greg trying to figure out legal counsel and what what steps he's going to take in that direction jess calls kendall over shows him something and kendall gets excited and asks jess to clear the room which she does greg goes out for a breath of fresh air one thing to note about the conversation between kendall and greg is uh, information that we didn't have that occurred off camera of where Kendall tells him, I don't need to reveal you. I don't need to disclose you. And Greg says, well, you already said you wouldn't. And yeah. Kendall said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll, but I'll stick to that. 
That sh- I think that's one of the things that gives Greg a certain lack of confidence going into this relationship. You talked about that Greg was Team Kendall. Absolutely. that He was joined at the hip with him because of the um, some of the scenes that we saw in, uh, last season, of, like getting him a place to live and things like that and caring for him, it seemed. This and some general discomfort with the overall situation and then rightfully Greg being concerned about someone else hiring you legal counsel and what that necessarily means, I think it starts to get Greg... Greg's loyalty is now a little bit more flexible than we maybe thought going in. Yeah, I think he's definitely not Team Logan, but Mm. I think he's just he's I think he's pretty scared to uh, just completely let Kendall dictate his future here. But we'll get into that as we talk about his decisions with regard to, to legal counsel. On the way out, uh, he sees a literal Trojan horse show up. I had this nailed. I had this nailed as Stewie right away. Yeah, I knew of it. Of course. Like as soon as I saw that, I was like, that really smacks of, of Stewie. Uh, Greg sees it, doesn't comment, just jumps in the elevator. He's 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 not in a good space. I think he's uh he's cra- he's creepy crawling, Spencer. Just he's, a bit, uh, yeah. he's uncomfortable. Once outside, he sees Shiv going inside and mm. the cell phone rings. And here is the scene I wanted to talk about. Hello, Gregory. <laughs> Tom, Tom, back in the house. This isn't the Tom number. He says, this isn't the Tom number. I know, aren't I clever? Is it true you have a saucy secret? Do you do your house chores in the nude? <laughs> Tom is so strange. When he, you know, it's interesting. He can, he can, more than any other character in the show, I think, Tom wears different hats. He is a very strange, creepy, pedophilic type. Mm-hmm just skin crawling guy when he's talking to Greg everything's on the table with regards to how creepy he is he also is like locker room bully when talking to people like Hugo and then he's like beat whipped dog shouldn't you feel so bad for me with Shiv he's just all over the place Tom you don't really have a read on what he's actually feeling because he's so different with each of the individual characters Tom is one of those guys that acts entirely differently based on what he feels the social status of the person is he's talking to that if he feels like he's above them, he will talk down to them in all kinds of weird and abusive ways. If he feels that he's under them or that they're roughly his equal, he's a subservient bitch. And those are what we jump between all the time when it comes to him. Greg obviously has no idea what to say to the house chores in the nude thing. And Tom asks <laughs> what the fuck's going on. Greg keeps responding by saying, look, I'm not a part of this. So this is really Greg trying to remove himself. Like, look, I, I'm not really a part of this. Sorry, Greg, you, you are. You very, very much are. You have the documents, dude. You are the, yeah, in, you are the core of this. Yeah, you are. Absolutely. You're at the core. You're at the nuclear core of this. Tom, if you don't come home to us, you're going to end up in a work camp. That's a really great thing. Yeah, let's get that you know, one on the record. Considering the fact that you had you had undocumented people working on these cruise ships, um, you know, slave hours. And then when they die, you just just drop them overboard uh now you're going to make jokes about waystar employees ending up at work camps really great move there tom good work yeah um tom goes on logan is going to fire a million poisonous spiders down your dicky <laughs> dick jokes again you better find an animal corpse to crawl into and hide tauntaun. Little, little, uh, tauntaun situation greg continues to reiterate that he is not a part of this tom asks about the papers and greg says i don't know necessarily where they came from i don't know uh-huh <laughs> Tom, fine. Okay, well, we'll have to see if he buys that. <laughs> he just talks right past him. Uh, Greg, Greg then lets slip that Shiv is at Kendall's. This is big boy information. This is trump card type information. No one knows that Shiv is there except for Shiv and soon to be Kendall and Jess. And Greg lets that slip to Tom. Tom does nothing with this information all episode. I find that very interesting. Well, 
There's one open question about where Logan got the information about where all of his children were. We don't know, we never see where he got that info that all of them were clustered there in Rava's house. Could it have been Tom? Maybe. But it's also possible that Logan's just permanently having all of them tailed or sending private investigators out after them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't. I thought he was just sort of piecing things together. Uh, as it's the, a reasonable and, deduction. Know, when, they, when they all go dark, yeah, he just sort of, yeah, he sort of deduces it. Um, this shocks Tom, but he tries not to let on. He says, yeah, of course I know. Of course I know. I know where my wife is, of course. Uh, he tells Greg that he... Um, uh, he, yeah, he knew that was the case. And then Logan bellows in the background, and he shiv knows. Tom lies and says, no, no, not as of yet. Mm-hmm. Cut to Jess with Kendall. Jess, again, hardest worker, uh, hardest worker in the show right now. Jess has a tough job. I don't envy it. She shows Kendall the Trojan horse. Kendall, is that a joke? Well, well, yes, Kendall. I, uh, my no. professional opinion, I do believe it was a joke. No, yes. no, Kendall. There are actually <laughs> Greeks inside. It's literal. Please accept this gift. What is wrong with him? Is that a joke? Uh, he, Jess, gamer that she is, offers to look inside. Maybe, uh, maybe Brad Pitt's going to drop out of the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kendall says no. Send it back. Kendall then asks Jeff to set up something with Stewie. Then the elevator dings. Is that Shiv Roy's music? Shiv in the house. You called it last episode. She was I going. I called it. That's where she was going. Great quote here from Shiv when she turns the corner and sees Kendall. There he is. The little man who started this big war. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Shivy, shivy, shivy. <laughs> shivy. Woo. I love it. Shiv is in the house with Kendall. I was really, really hoping we were going to get, we were going to get the Avengers here. We were going to get. Putting the putting the fists together, Captain Planet, Earth, Fire, Wind. I was hoping we were getting an alliance. I really was at this point. One thing I love about how they portray these characters interacting with each other on this show is that they do it really authentically for how siblings interact. Is that when siblings are alone, they immediately revert to how they interacted when they were like 12. And that happens at pretty much any age that goes up. And these guys maybe even go earlier than that in terms of emotional maturity real quickly. Do you do that with your sister? Do you go back to like when you were young, like? More, more so than I would otherwise, yeah. We start referring to each other by little nicknames. Like I call her Munchkin or whatever else, just the moment I see her. And that's just how it goes because you spent most of your time, most of your growing up when you were that age, and it's kind of what you're used to. You don't revert to like trying to like d- take a baseball bat to fend off your college buddies from hitting on her? No, no. <laughs> that, that, that's not the period you want to go back to. Luckily, she's married, so it simplifies that equation, really. <laughs> Cut to Jerry in her office. Roman catches her taking picture of a news story about her taking over as CEO. This would be kind of an awkward moment. I mean, Roman tries to make it one. Oh God, look at you taking pictures of your tiny name. Jerry pro that she yeah. is blows right past it. Yeah. I'm doing it for my daughters. I, I really thought and that she was, it's down. I thought that was cute. I really, I really thought that was cute that she was so, she's still so, it's one of the things where she's very much an insider, but even this feels special to her. Even this feels like a moment to remember. So the idea that she's taking a picture to preserve and send to her daughters, that was a, kind of like an authentic human moment that we don't normally get out of the Roy's. Yeah, well, it, it should be. I mean, my God, she's she's the one. She's taken over. We talked about how epic this was. The fucking name of the show is Succession. Who is going to come after Logan Roy? We have our answer. Mm-hmm. It's Jerry. Jerry's next. Roman then ask about Jerry's daughter. Jerry cuts him right off. Don't talk about my daughters, Roman. Look at you telling me all the sensitive areas. You know me. I'll be respectful. Uh-huh. Roman then sits down. Well, this is happening, yeah. 
The odor prevails. The gas also rises. It's kind of a weird thing to say. I mean, he says a lot of weird shit, but that was a strange one. It, I heard him um, say odor, and the yeah, subtitle said order. And the script says order. So was it order, or was it odor, or did you just pronounce it weird? Well, then the next thing he says, the gas also rises, yes. which makes me think it was odor. So, um, I don't know. Um, I did find some discrepancies between what I was hearing and what was on the closed captioning. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not, I th- maybe they might be using AI or something for the closed captioning, but it did not seem like it was 100% spot on. Jerry then says, well, you know, it's like when you see those list of popes and emperors <laughs> and some of them have asterisks by their name. I see what you did there, Jerry. I see what you did. Mm-hmm. They don't really have asterisks by their name. Uh, Roman says he has a couple of things to talk to her about. First, he wants to make sure she's not concerned with this, this, this. This between us stuff, Jerry does not understand. She now understanding just how risky some of her previous behavior has been. Drops this quote. I have no idea what you're talking about, uh-huh. <laughs> Jerry. You know what, Jerry is? She's like silver aged, or silver haired middle aged white man, right? Who like has has a fling with the secretary and then like gets a promotion and is like, I don't know your name. Yeah, never seen this person before. Never heard of you. Security, yeah, crazy she's, woman. She's moved, moved right into it, man. She's mad men. Um, Roman, I hope you're not anxious that you change yourself to a fire hydrant that spews out cultural <laughs> insensitivity and sperms. I nominate that for Lion. Oh, it's succession. lovely. Yeah. Um, that's a great way for Roman to, uh, to describe himself. A fire hydrant that spews out cultural insensitivity and sperms. Jerry, question for you. How much do you love Jerry Spencer? Because uh, she re- then goes into an explanation that really like reminded me of like maybe how you would think because he, she right away goes, well, I'm going to need the family, you know, I need the family. So I would, I would like to have your support and uh, you know, I, I want your cooperation because you have good instincts. You also have very terrible instincts, like not cooperating, <laughs> yeah. which would be a complete fucking disaster. I felt like that was like, if I, if I was like Spencer, insert yourself as Jerry and say what you would do in this situation. It was about beat for beat. It, it was very much the logical little checkboxes going down kind of thinking said out loud. And yeah, I appreciate that kind of logical organized thinking. I also appreciate the kind of divide we're seeing between these two of where every conversation Roman tries to immediately bring up the fact that in his view, they have a relationship that's not just professional. And every single time he does, she doesn't address it and she outright denies it. And I'm curious to whether that's going to start increasingly causing tension that Roman's clearly viewing what they are either differently than Jerry is or differently than Jerry's willing to publicly accept. I really am on. They really have me guessing about this. Yeah. They really do. Because part of me thinks that that's just that's how she there's two, there's two things going on. Right. One is that. It is part of like, God damn, I could get in a lot of trouble for some of this weirdness that's been going on. Not, not like like jail trouble, yeah. but like it Public would be relations. good for her career. Exactly. But then there's also the thing of like, that's kind of how they've worked together. You made this point last episode, which I thought was a really good one, which was, you know, he, Roman was like trying to get Jerry to sleep with him in this like weird hotel suite that they were in. And Jerry was like pushing back on him and like saying no, but like. That might have been them playing. Like, that was the yeah. point you made. You're like, hell, that that's kind of how it starts for those two. We'll get a quote later from Roman of where I think he's even referencing that to a certain degree, that her telling him off or criticizing him is to him just part of it. And so when you have that dynamic, that sexual dynamic that, that starts with rejection, how can you ever actually have real rejection? Like, it's kind of strange. Yeah. 
it, it's a, this is what the kind of relationships of where it clearly laid out guidelines and consent needs to be discussed in advance. Otherwise, no one's going to have a clue what the hell they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to be careful with these role playing things that it doesn't like slip into like something that really screws up honest conversations. I don't know where this is going. I pray to all the gods, all seven gods, the red god, <laughs> the, the he who shall not be named god, mm-hmm. the all of them in the sky that Jerry really does like Roman and they end up together happily ever after cuz I love this couple. So this is your ship? This is your ship on this show? Oh, I mean, I'm not I don't, I don't even think I'm shipping them because I mean they've well, had yeah. like these weird sexual interactions. I yeah, that I'm rooting for this couple more than any any individual storyline at all in the entire show what about you yeah i mean the, the closest thing to a healthy romantic relationship we have on this show whatsoever i mean think about it, think about it. the closest alternative we have to like a loving relationship on this show is like logan and marcia and man did we see that laid out in very much financial terms this episode yeah that man that really was a that really was put it all on paper i, I just that made me laugh because of the way you said yeah you were like yeah, I mean, it's if like, I have to pick something, to yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> I, I have hopes for them, and I'll be really curious to see. Cause I, it's going to be a question of loyalties, as it always is on this show. And when push comes to shove, I think I know what, what what one of them would do, and I don't know with the other. And so, as much as I am rooting for them, right, I am going to now um, transition into a scene where I think could be problematic for their relationship because Jerry shows her age and this like there the age problem the age difference between these two has not been a an issue at all right sure so far however she goes well you have good instincts like sometimes and he goes what i surf the web and she's like yeah you're good with culture and whatnot like that's a thing an old person says to a young person that a young person rightly summarily dismisses it's almost like when you're in an office and an old person is like hey can you come fix my computer and you come over and you restart it and whatever application was broke is working. And then the person from then on calls you the tech guy. And oh God. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not really you're like, I Googled uh, like, it. Hey, I'm not. But then you also kind of lose respect for the person who keeps calling you a tech guy. Cause all you did is restart their computer. I think a little bit of that dynamic went on here because you notice this is one of the few times that Roman almost gets alpha in the conversation because he completely cuts her off and changes where they're what, what they're talking about. And he goes, you know what? I actually have an idea. I think that you need to pull together like a uh, an executive steering committee, you know, to start things off with. She pushes back, says, well, I don't know. I don't want to dilute my potency. Does, was that a sexual thing? Or is that just how she talks? Because that was strange, too. Uh, I mean, it could just be how she talks. It's a perfectly legitimate way to phrase the conversation, other than the fact you're talking to your weird sort of pseudo lover. Roman then uh, says this strategy allows her to dip everyone's hands in blood with the big calls. But other than that, quote, potential line of succession. You and me, we run it to fuck. (laughs) I, I I think this is pretty good advice on Roman's part. I think that kind of, I, I, do too. I think Jerry, I think, it's great. I think Jerry, come, she resists it at first, but I think she, while she's talking to us, comes around to it that, oh yeah, this really does say, you know, a certain number of people need to replace him. Also distributes the blame, makes it like the, we're all working together on this problem. I think it's a good sell. And I think it looks good from an optics standpoint. I do too. But I think that the potential hitch in the giddy up of their relationship is that she basically wants to say like, Hey, you can just check Twitter for me. Yeah. And he's like, eh, how about no, here's a real thing. And it's actually a really good thing, but her first reaction is negative to it. They do get to a good place with it. Cause I think she's going to adopt some 
version of this, right? You you, you talked about that, how she gets there. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it's just a pretty awkward way they get there. And then Jerry says, here you go. Your apprenticeship begins. Now, anyone else saying that to Roman, he would, he would dislike it. He would think he's being talked Demeaned, down to. Yeah. He would think that all of his experience, which he does have a lot of experience working for Waystar, is being dismissed. For some reason, he doesn't push back and almost, that's all a little twinkle, Spencer. He seemed to like it. He seemed to really like it. He seemed like the, the this is like a, 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 a rope that's being thrown to him. This is hope that he hasn't had before, which is interesting because it's effectively a counteroffer to what the hell he just said. And he just accepts it where he said, we'll be equals. We'll run this together. And she says, and she says, well, there'll be an internship and you know, we'll see that's, and he just jumps on that. Like it's the, like, like it's the best thing she could offer him. Now she does say that she'll work him into the quarterly earnings calls. And I can say that that is about as visible. That's about as visible as a company can be as you in your earnings calls. And so to put him in that position, that was actually really big. And Roman astutely does recognize that that's a big deal and goes, okay, that's good. That's good. Well, it's, great. It's one of those things of where she means apprenticeship, but she means it in a way that someone like Logan never would. Apprenticeship to Logan means no power, no responsibility. You stand there and you do what I tell you. When she says yes. it, I think she does legitimately mean we're, we're going to train you up so you actually can do the job you need to do kind of thing. You're going to be in the room. You're going to get the responsibility. You're going to get the work. You're just not there yet but I actually think you can be. I think it's that kind of investment in a way that isn't when we usually hear that term thrown around the show. He also really likes it when she tells him what to do. Like a lot. That's Like a yeah. whole lot, Spencer. So I'm going to be working under you and all that implies, I'm in. Yes, please. I sign up for that 14 hours a day, you telling me what to do. I do that in my free time. Cut back to <laughs> Kindle and Shiv Shivy Shivy. So Shiv, how we doing? Shiv. Look at you all fucking married. Thank you for Spencer calling this out. As Spencer would say, hi, is a kite never sober? Mm-hmm. Kendall says he has an offer and Shiv says that that is not why she is there. Ugh, deflated me a little bit. I was really hoping for an alliance. Shiv truly does not know why she's here. She doesn't know. She, 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 I'll tell you why she's here. Why is she here? I think she, I, I, she may not know, but I know why. Because she got mad at the Jerry news and this was her way of, in her mind, paying Logan back. But this, but there's no stakes to it. Yeah. It's like, I'm mad at him. I'm going to lash out. Her lashing out is going to Kindle. She doesn't know what she's doing there. This is emotion. Right. And I truly believe that Roman only shows up because he's looking for her. Uh, it, it, this can be fun to debate about why each of these people walked into the room. But I really agree with you, Chip. I think she's just doing this as an emotional reaction to being rejected by her father. That my father rejected me. I'm going to go to the guy that hates him and talk to him. I think I don't even know if she's really even reasonably assessing her options until they're finally laid out in front of her when she like calls Tom later in the episode. I don't think she has a plan here. I think she's just kind of flying by the seat of her pants. I agree. Kendall pushes on. He says he wants her to join him. He probably asked her some version of this question 12 times in this episode. Yeah. She pushes back. Ship does say that the sacrifice was cold. Thank you, Ship. It was cold. It was not okay. Kendall, though, uh, because he is now, an ex- you know, Kendall now in his mind is the CEO of the company, right? So he has to be smarter than everybody in the room. So he says, oh, well, you know, from Logan's point of view, it does make some sense. So he's not being honest with her. If he was being honest with her, he would say, yeah, that sucked. Well, and that was a big part of why I did what I did. And but he's not being honest. He gets he there like himself as like almost like a boss type person to her. And he's like, oh, well, if you think about it, it makes sense. 
Um, he's he's starting this conversation trying to like act like a Logan, act what he thinks like a Logan would act like. That's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah. he he he's like playing the part of the CEO. He gets there eventually later on. It's like thirty minutes into them talking before he finally just says, "No, that was fucked up, and that's the reason I did this." But he's not there yet. He's got to maintain a strong front when he's kind of marketing this pitch right now. Shiv says, "I get it. You were angry, but that was a fucking snake move, Kendall. The situation." was the situation well said Spencer I'm going to tell you that many times we, we, have, we have a number of disagreements as podcast hosts yeah about when to do when to do pods if pods are posted which which television shows we're going to review next look Spencer the situation was a situation I don't know what to tell you I felt I had no choice it's a, it's a more shout out to Kendall it's a more douchey way of saying it is what it is which I also don't like particularly either that any I'm going to challenge all of our listeners. Whenever the next time you're going to say it is what it is, think about saying it is what it is. And then think about saying nothing and see if those two things aren't equal because they absolutely are. Well said, sir. Well said. Shiv, that was self aggrandizing bullshit. Yeah, it was a yeah. peacock fuck show. I like that. Kindle. Okay. Whoop. Let's hit the brakes. And now it's time for America's new favorite game show. Let's play. Weirdest pseudo corporate pop culture self sabotaging Kendall Roy. <laughs> You've got options. Here's uh, our first nomination. I get it, sis. You are angry at yourself. You're angry at yourself for never doing the right thing. <laughs> Love how he tries to like put her on the couch. Yeah, he, he puts her on the couch. It's one of those fun things where a lot of times Kendall says the douchiest thing possible or says the thing it's just going to rub somebody else the wrong way. Yeah. He's often not 100% wrong, though. And I think there is a certain element of bruised pride going into kind of Shiv's reaction that she wasn't the one that made the big pull, that she didn't fulfill the independent idea of herself as a champion of liberal values by doing this. I think it's a a certain element of truth in his call out that Kendall's making. I know. I find it funny that we were introduced to Shiv as like she was the liberal of the family, right? She was literally on Capitol Hill working for Democrats. Working for Bernie Sanders. And during this entire fucking thing. Yeah, Gil, who is Bernie Sanders, during this entire fucking thing, she has never taken a moral stand against the company and what they've done. She's never drawn a hard line. And it's like, it really makes you think that she's just kind of flapping in the wind. No, she's no, one no. of those like used car little like air bubble men, you know, just flapping in yeah. the wind. She does not take a stand. And, and Kendall is kind of calling her out for that. Although, as you pointed out. Kendall was incapable of conveying this emotion without sounding like an absolute douche. <laughs> yeah, Shiv wears the liberal token as purely just a token. It's a mask that she can put on to fit in with her friends. She has no investment in this other than in herself. Kendall, you tell yourself you're a good person, but you're not a good person. Woo! Right now, I'm the real you. Shiv, sure, you're the real me, and I'm the real you, yeah. What fucking ever. So they are, this is really going great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this you, you, is going can, wonderful. Can, you, I mean, yeah. Kindle, you're right, but you're also an asshole. That's what we can summarize this right now. Cut to Logan moving around a sad looking Eastern European salad. Spencer, have you ever been to Eastern Europe? I have not. No. Well, okay. You w- would you consider, fucking we- would you consider Greece, right. Eastern Europe? I don't, I wouldn't no, really. Absolutely yeah. not. I mean like the, like the former Soviet bloc countries. Have that not. Sort of thing. This type of fucking shitty salad you get everywhere. Yeah. If you go to Prague and you sit down and you like, give me a salad, you're getting this thing. 
<laughs> I don't know what happened in Eastern Europe, but man, they are like 150 years behind the times with salads. I don't even think they've just, I don't even think there, there's not a nut in a salad anywhere in those countries. It is nothing but like olives and like boiled ham and like bad cheese. It, it, I like that we go from this salad to Logan spending the rest of the episode basically saying, I got to get out of here. I got to fly out of this country. I think it's the salad Absolutely. that broke him. <laughs> Poor man doesn't even take a bite of this thing. He's just moving it around. I had flashbacks to my time in Prague. But um, Shiv, uh, he's, he's still preoccupied with where Shiv is. Tom says, I'll check again. So whoop, whoop, there's a lie. He already knows where she is. Logan asks Hugo about Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Hugo says he hears she's available and asks Logan if he wants to reach out. Here goes a Logan bellowing scream. Yes, I want to fucking reach out, Hugo. I'm stuck in quicksand. My family have disappeared. The world is wobbling here. Does no one understand what the fuck is happening here? I'm losing juice. I can't find the right fucking lawyer. The sky is falling in. So when I say something, it fucking happens. We have to act on the world. Fucking world. We have to act. I like that. So he is very, very angry. I like that Juice is now becoming a parallel point between Logan and Kendall. Juice references to their current state. Either the, the juice, juice is loose, baby. The juice is loose or I'm losing juice. Their power is built around juice. There's a lot of parallels in what they're doing and how they're talking. I mean, we, we said the um, what was the what was the line um, that they both started with last episode? What? Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't. They, yeah, they both sat down and they were like. I don't know. They well, said something. Well, um, one parallel between the two in the last episode was them claiming, as they love to do throughout the series, that they did what they just did for their children, or they've done everything for their children. We got to see that last episode. It was honestly Kendall's douchiest moment. That's something that Logan loves to say a lot. So yeah, they're. I think they're purposely playing up the parallels in their language and their actions and their references and how they treat other people by the end of this episode to really kind of... Either frame him as the as the very much the he is you writ small, or also just to frame how how much how different are our two options here really? It's where they said action stations. That's oh, what I was yeah. referencing. Yeah. Uh, last quote here from Logan. I'm not getting smuggled out of here on a fucking packing case. Okay. So Hugo gets Khan on the phone and Logan talks to him. Connor immediately point out, points out that he had to fly back on a commercial airline. <laughs> Poor dear. Probably flew, probably flew first class. And for him, that's a colossal step down. Well, I know that he did because he complains that they had movies and heavily refrigerated cheeses. Let me explain something to you, Connor. Those heavily refrigerated cheeses, you don't necessarily get in coach. So no. it actually was, no. was actually nice. Um, that we did see, um, who's the lady that uh, that Connor's with? Wyla. Wyla finally perked up just a little bit um, when he said we had they had movies and heavily refrigerated cheeses. She actually smiled. I think that's the extent yeah. of her her role in the episode. Logan then tries to play nice, thanks him for playing nice and holding the fort. Connor, sure, Operation Thumb Twiddle, you bet. Logan goes on to say his words on the boat were harsh. So no harm done. He, Logan is hilarious to me. <laughs> he will not apologize. You think I'm apologize? You got another thing coming. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would will cost not. him nothing. Nothing to will apologize not do here. And just, it, it's not in him to show any degree of, you know, humility or weakness. Even to uh, the person he desperately needs to get into his camp. A half-hearted apology could mean the world to this guy right now, and he still can't even fake it. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's actually really hilarious if you break down what he says, because he basically says, hey, I said some mean shit to you. So we're good, right? Like, that's what he says. 
in any other context, that gets you a punch in the face. But for for, for Logan, that's what he views as love. Connor, you were pretty rude, Pop. Logan, it's good to know I can rely on you. With Kenny going nut-nut. So no one speaks to him, right? You're number one, kiddo. You know that. Well, that's obviously bullshit. I mean, Connor, if, if there's ever been a number four, if there's ever been yeah. a last place kid in the history of television, it's Connor. But Connor gets off and says, number one. Huh. I, I don't view it that way. I view that as him scoffing. I view that as him. I, I view that almost that conversation is one of the things that motivated him to go talk to Kendall kind of thing of just how obviously I bullshit 50-50 it was. 50-50 on that. I thought it was 50 50 on that. Cause he says number one in a scoffing manner. And then he kind of stops it. And then, the, but the awe afterwards, I felt like it was him kind of going, well, that would be nice. That'd be kind of nice. I, 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 for me, I interpreted it as him number one scoff. And then the, the kind of smile shaking his head, which is man, that was just such obvious bullshit. Connor in a few ways kind of impressed me this episode with some of the interactions he had with the other characters. And this was one of the scenes I felt that started it. Well, he is a national figure. Uh, very much so. Con heads are uni- unite. Cut to Kendall and Shiv. Shivy! Shivy suggests he burn the papers and say he was sick. Kendall's like, oh yeah, say I had some bad deli sushi, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, good idea. Kendall, no. She asks for the papers and Kendall says he can't show them to her unless she comes in. Unless she comes aboard. Jess comes in, says he has a visitor, whispers to Kendall. Kendall, Roman's downstairs. Now we're talking. Oh shit, Spencer. Battle Royal time. I did like that. Kendall's obviously excited about this, but his first reaction is to turn to Shiv and says, is it okay that Roman comes up? That, that, I, th- I thought that was a nice gesture on his part that you're the one that came here. You're the one I'm talking to right now. If you don't want him to know you're here, I'm fine with that. And we can adjust. So I like, I like he put that in her, on, on her, um, in her, in, in her field. It's absolutely manipulative. It is. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying it's her. nice. I'm saying it's a quality move on his part. He doesn't comes up or not. He's giving it to her and then saying, I only, I'm all, hey, I'm letting you decide this because you're really the important one here. It's actually a Logan type of move. It it's is. Logan and, it's a good, Very manipulative. and it's a good move and I think it works in the moment. Sure does. Shiv says, yeah, sure. Bring them on up. Uh, Justin says, Lisa needs two minutes and then gets a serious reaction from Shiv. Uh, because I think this is the first time Shiv has like real concrete Lisa's evidence in the fucking room. <laughs> that Lisa is there, not just supporting Kendall, but she's actually Present. in the fucking room. Cut, cut to Greg at quote his apartment, and he is apparently asked over someone he knows who has just gotten into law school. So what else? He needs legal advice. Spencer, question for you: How many times did this happen to you when you were in law school? Way too like fucking one of your much. Buddies, Somebody knows you're in law school and then goes, hey, man, what, what should I do about this uh, parking ticket? You know, what the fuck ever. It's one of those things where I just have to, try, you have to just sit them down and explain is that, okay, if you're a 1L, that means I know a lot better about what the law was in 1850 than I do about the, what the law is today and how to interpret it. I am doing the most foundational background high order shit you can imagine. Don't ask me to actually guide you on present legal issues. Then a lawyer from Waystar shows up. Okay, here is where I am going to hand the ball off to you. I am very interested, Spencer, in a couple things from you right now in this segment. One, what is this lawyer doing? This guy who shows up from Waystar to talk to Greg, clearly try to get in, get his clutches into Greg. What is he doing? And the second part of this that I'm, I'm the most interested in is, is it ethical from your perspective? What's occurring here? I, what is he doing? He's mining, he's trying to get information from Greg. He's trying to serve as a spy on the inside and tap in what Greg knows and what, what Greg's, 
actions with respect to Kendall are and trying to tap into what Kendall's network is. I, I view it as straight up spy work. In terms of ethics, this guy's hired by Waystar Royco. He is an attorney of Waystar. He is not, I would consider it a colossal stretch to have in any way be viewed as Greg's attorney. And to view him as such, given Greg's current actions, would be a colossal conflict of interest, given where he's employed and who he works for. So, no, I don't view what he's doing as ethical, either in what, he's actual, what the actual reason for his actions are and how he's going about them whatsoever. Well, he does say to him, I'm, I, I can be your lawyer. Like, he does insinuate think, that he can be Greg's lawyer. And I think he's being very manipulative in that regard. Okay, so not we're going to say thumbs down on the ethics here, I, not an ethical move. I think Greg has some legitimate, reasonable concerns here about where pe- the people that are offering him counsel and what that implies and suggests. And I think him trying to find independent counsel is actually a really good move. Now, where he ends up, <laughs> and yeah, we'll debate yeah, that. Yeah. But I think he actually, Greg's actually making some very smart moves here in terms of, I'm the guy that's holding the bag. I'm the guy that's the most center of, I help destroy documents. I'm the one holding the documents. I need someone who's not affiliated with the rest of these bastards to talk to to make sure I'm actually getting good, honest advice that isn't through their lens. Greg oh, needs what a Spencer. Uh, Greg needs a Spencer. Bad. I, I think I think he needs that a lot more than he needs the, uh, you know, the 1L that he invited to his apartment. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so when she does offer to text her professor. So yeah, very appreciated it all out. Yeah, probably figured it all. Now, what poor professor getting this text at ten o'clock in the middle of the night? You know, like, hey, uh, should my friend get independent legal counsel from Waystar Royco? Question uh, mark. You also aren't usually taking things like ethics necessarily your first semester anyway. So is she texting her? Cost- last semester, right? Oh, she's she's in like a weekend. She's a month in. She's still in her first semester. So is she taking? She's texting her constitutional law professor, her contracts professor, her criminal law professor these are the like broad ass topics you're dealing with one l year cut to lisa and kendall she says she needs kendall for eight to ten hours so they can talk through what to do if he gets a subpoena spencer i am going to stop the podcast right now put my hand up and say you sir you were right last episode you said lisa was very clear about what she was what she was willing to take on and what her role was and you correctly called out that her role was going to be keep fucking Kendall out of jail yeah that he has these legal immediate pressing legal issues doj could be knocking down his door at any point and that she is there to help him with that i did not catch that you you accurately called it out last episode and i like to give you the w when you've earned it so good call there on your part she reinforces this in this conversation says Kendall could be pulled in by the fbi at any time and he needs to be ready staying out of jail needs to be his number one priority i agree with lisa absolutely gotta say he can't take over the company and, 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 you know, bury Logan or do whatever the hell else he wants to do if he's, if he's in jail. So he really needs to listen to her here. And shocker, our guy Kendall isn't seeing it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fascinating to see. I think of all the characters in the show, there's really only like two that are taking the idea of criminal repercussions seriously. And it's Logan and Greg. Everybody else just kind of assumes that they're above it. And that it's not some it's it's unimportant to them. It's not something that ever could be reality. To the point that Kendall prioritizes playing a prank on his sister over talking to his legal counsel about how to avoid going to jail. That's the level of priority we're assigning to this. Yeah, because he does take he does take some like a Manila folder, writes "fuck you" on it, puts it in, and and goes tells Jess to go sit it out on the table. I guess. Lisa reiterates that the FBI could get in a search warrant for his apartment at any point. Now, Ken probably thinks he is innocent here, so he's not super worried about it. But, you know, 
I know enough about the law to know that just being innocent isn't necessarily a shield. And this is a very sticky situation. So he probably needs to be paying attention to Lisa a little bit more than he is. He does say, big picture, what are you hearing? Jess comes in, whispers something to Ken. This is when he writes it down in the envelope, Mm -hmm. sends it over. Lisa says she's hearing that Logan is pressing political buttons. So she must have some contacts in the White House yeah. or DOJ to know that like those calls are being made probably specifically the call. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing what she's catching wind of is the call from Jerry to that Kellyanne Conway type, very type much so, person yeah. that we saw in the first episode where she was very clearly pressing as many buttons as she could possibly get away with. She says he may play hardball and not cooperate. This is a great quote here, which would be amazing. I mean, that's just a really terrible, terrible decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's like, it's such a bad decision that she's like, wow, that'd be a hell of a car wreck. I'd like to watch that. It, it's interesting Kendall to have both then her, still go ahead. It's interesting to have both her and Jerry say that Logan's chosen strategy is the dumbest thing he can possibly do. It. it I'll be curious to see whether the season subverts that. That I, I almost well, it's want... not his chosen strategy yet. He's just thinking about it, right? I mean, he said at the end of the episode that we're going to go full fucking beast, which I assumed that's what he meant in terms of what, what what the strategy was. And he seemed to be receptive to Roman strategy of why don't we just say fuck him? I, oh, it... I thought full fucking beast meant we're going to put we're going to press every button we have. We're going to use every lever of power we have. Possible, but, yeah. yeah. Who knows? It, it, I'll be curious to see if. If this indeed Logan's strategy, to what degree they subvert it, just because of how unexpected it is. The right reaction is to cooperate. So if you do something that's completely out of the playbook, does that actually catch your opponent off guard and leave them off balance? I don't know. That could be fun. And Kendall, then still seeing his dad as like Bruce Wayne when the like bat signal can come up in the sky at yeah. any point at any time, says, well, what if he shuts this all down? And Lisa seems blown back by the suggestion. He says, well, he can't do that, Kendall. That's stupid. Kendall, then, here we go. Round two of pseudo-corporate pop culture, self-sabotaging <laughs> Kendall Roy Babble of the Week, says that we need to prepare for all eventualities. Quote, we might need to call the state police to arrest the FBI. We might need to pl- uh, play to fly me out with a tail number to Frankfurt or Venezuela. I'm not serious, okay? But I'm serious. Man, woo. Kindleism. Yeah. 10 out of 10 Kindleism. I, I think that I think this one beats the last one. Just just random just businessy re- random random references as Kendall runs on. We need to call the state police to arrest the FBI. That sounds like something they'd do in Texas. <laughs> Cut to Shiv. She gets uh, the call. It gets phone call and she answers. Tom asks her how it's going. Now, Tom, at this point, doesn't know where she is. And it well, is an awkward conversation. Tom, kn- Tom knows. Shiv doesn't think he knows. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's why it's so fucking awkward. Because Tom is asking her, hey, where are you? And she's like, hey, you know, I'm just home. Eh, I'm at home. Tom asks Shiv about Jerry. Quote, it's fine. It's just another fucking humiliation. Tom asks her to check in with him if there is big stuff. Shiv blows it off and says, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, I will. Meanwhile, she opens the envelope that is supposed to include the papers, totally snooping, and there's just one paper that says, fuck you, written on it. So there's the prank from Kendall. Again, going back to your point earlier in the episode, they have totally just reverted into the 12 and 14-year-old just fucking you know, pulling each other's hair and punching each other. Did, did Schiff honestly think that the secret world changing can bring down a corporation documents? They're just sitting in a middle manila envelope in the middle of Rava's table. Did, did, is that what she actually was thinking here? I guess. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know. She's just snooping, but it was pre- mm. it was a pretty funny. It one. was funny, yeah. I, I like that Kendall read uh, it well enough to know that if you send a Manila envelope down to the table anywhere near her, she will open that inside of five minutes. Yeah. Um, Tom says he loves her, and no, no, no Shiv no. says yeah, Shiv says yeah, no, no. Shiv says I love you, and Tom says thank you. She pushes him on it, basically. Like, Do you love me too? Like she's just straight up asking him. Robotically, he says he does. Quote from Tom here. You can't just take my love and bank it and then take it with you to the love market and see if you want to invest in me. But uh, yeah, I do. She says she does too. Potential line of succession right here. It's good to know we don't have an unbalanced love portfolio. Tom has a wonderful way of expressing himself that just offers such a wonderful insight into what his psychology is. It's like what he's saying makes sense. It's just the weirdest way a human can express himself. Roman comes in and sees Shiv. She keeps asking how Logan is. Roman, he's fine. Jerry's looking into what it would take to buy a private to buy a private island in the Philippines. So, you know, regular stuff. Nah. Roman asks her what her game is and then says he's only there looking for her. Oh, there's the attention whore. I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for asking. It's really been a great couple of days. Roman's got some zingers here in this episode. Kendall says he's doing well. He's cleaned. I'm cleaned. I feel cleansed. A certain amount of regret, but I'm cleansed. Roman cleansed. That's interesting. That's like uh, really fucking interesting. I guess uh, in order to know how you're actually doing, I'm going to have to wait for you to you know, call a national fucking press conference and be like, oh, no, I said it was fine, but actually I'm not fine. Roman's a dick. He didn't even bring me anything from the airport. No, I feel bad. I did, actually. Brought you those Danish cinnamon things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that he brought them as just a nice gesture and Kendall thanks him for the nice gesture and Roman's just still pissed off about it too anyway yeah so funny um, I, qu- qu- so so funny question about the prior stand I just want to address before we go too far past it why do you think that Tom is now withholding the I love you because this is the second time he's done it in the last two episodes it, I think that Tom genuinely thinks in his mind he might might be gearing up to divorce Shiv. I think that's a very fair read, and I think Shiv still doesn't understand that, which is a serious blind spot on her part. If she's just thinking that well, where, she, where they ended season two with that conversation on the beach, that now everything's fine, and they never have to have that talk again, she doesn't understand Tom or being in a relationship. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any real – she doesn't understand the stakes at all. I think she's always viewed Tom as somebody she could push around. A puppy. A little a little, yeah, a little puppy. Um, and he is asserting himself here, and it's confusing her. I don't, I don't think she understands quite how serious it is yet. And I think he's doing it often in specific reaction to her indicating that she does not view him as an equal partner or worthy of being open with. Open with. That he specifically does it here after she lies to him, willfully lies to him on the subject of where she is, viewing him as in someone that she can't trust or someone she can't be open with. And I think what we see him withhold this love from her in specific reaction to her never ever loving him as much as he clearly loves her, at least may have at one point. Yeah, Kendall says, thank you. That is so kind. This is in response to the Danish cinnamon things. Roman, oh, shut up. Just eat them or don't. You're welcome. Kindle to Shiv. So did you take a look? Shiv, yeah, fuck you. Uh, so they're talking about the, the manila envelope there. Kindle then gets down to business, wants to clean slate this. Spencer, let's clean slate it, okay? Clean slate it. We're yeah. Gonna clean, we're going to clean slate it. Clean slate. Lock it in. He acknowledges that they didn't uh, like what he did to dad. Uh-huh. I know you guys don't like that. Uh, but 
I'm sorry, that's that's between us. But here's the thing, he's over. So let's work together to take over and help him move on out. Roman doesn't address us. So he's only there to spy on Shiv. I'm just here to spy on Shiv. Shiv says she's only there to get Kendall to back down. Shiv, Shiv says she'd like to talk, but when uh, but but she has to worry about Rava's dog walk right now. Walks so in that's, when, that's when Kendall looks around and goes, ah, um, let's uh let's go to Sophie's room, Roman. Oh, he remembered his kid's name. Uh, 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 Sophie, Sophie, yeah, that's right, Sophie, Sophie's room. That is if I was trying to explain the show to someone and explain how good Kieran Culkin is. Right there. And how, how funny he is, yeah. that is the one moment it, I would It's choose. hilarious. It, I really wonder if he just ad-libbed that or not. It looks so natural. Oh, oh, he remembered his kid's name. Uh, uh, Sophie, Sophie's room. Man, that was that was, it was really perfect. funny. Perfect line. Cut to Greg getting out of a taxi and meeting with his granddad, Ewan. Ewan says he's in town to put his affairs in order. Spencer, is Ewan... Is, is Ewan not long for this world? Ewan's been putting his affairs in order for the last three seasons. It's where we, we met Ewan putting his affairs in order. That was what he was using to hold over Greg's head. Or you do what I want or I write you out of the will. I think he's the kind of guy that just keeps that going for like the last 10 years of his life to try to use it to, use it to keep his family in line. Yeah, Ewan, your publicity shy friend, the shrinking violent, has been calling me. What does he want? Greg stumbles through an answer. I really enjoy this. He's uh, if it uh, uh, doesn't sound too uh, basic, he's on the same page as you. Uh, nice, right? Make company nice and so on. Yeah. Which I guess that's kind of the your thing, uh, right? Okay, Spencer. Whoop! Break time. Time for a new game here on Line of Succession. This is Ewan using ten dollar words for a two buck idea of the week. Yeah. Okay. Here's a nominee. I found his performance. Histrionic and meretricious. Meretricious, yep. Ugh. Next. The man is a self-regarding popinjay. Next. I just don't like seeing dirty laundry washed in public. That one. That yeah, was straightforward, yeah. Ten buck word. $10 word for a two buck idea. Ewan is interesting. Uh, he seems to hate Lowen, Logan, but he seems to genuinely dislike anybody who crosses Logan. You Ewan would be an absolute maddening person for me. Maddening person for me if I was Kendall. Because every chance he gets, he tells you what a piece of shit Logan is. But every chance he gets to fuck Logan, he does not take it. Is it loyalty to family? Or is it purely self-interest that if he fucks over Logan, it also fucks over his stock options? Probably a little both. Uh, it's hard to say more two than a, but, uh, but you know, it is pretty, pretty interesting that he, he's the, the, the sort of mouthpiece to how terrible Logan is and how much he's destroyed this country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We even get into some of that toward the end of the episode with his, you know, I'll have the, I'll have the pastrami on rye, uh, fucking lawyer here i don't know what <laughs> fucking building in manhattan he sucked this guy out of there's no more new york attorney than that guy they it's clear that he has this sort of bitterness and anger for what logan is but yet every time kendall gives him a chance to make a move on him he doesn't take it and he seems to hold the opportunity against kendall it's one of those things of where it in some ways mirrors the exact same criticism that shiv threw his way of words, you know, she said that you were just a fucking peacock, whatever else. The histrionic, matricious, and uh, fucking popinjay are really in the same category of insults. Based on that kind of, you know, similarity, is there a certain element of what uh, Kendall said about Shiv that's also true against Ewan? 
that, you know, you view yourself as this just liberal icon. You view yourself as dedicated to these causes, but you didn't do it. And now you're judging me for doing it. You're judging me for doing what you always wanted to do, but never had the guts to do. Is there a certain element a really of that going to? really great parallel. Really great parallel. I completely agree. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Is that I felt like, I feel like uh, Ewan is very much a conflicted character out in the open. It's, it's yeah. the, the conflict is, the juxtaposition is just out there for everyone to see. And it's kind of strange, and I don't understand his motives, and I think they want to keep it that way. He's kind of a wild card in this game. Greg then delves into his own issues, uh, explains that both Logan and Kendall are each offering him lawyers, and he thinks he could use some independent legal advice. I would say so, Greg. Good Mm -hmm. call. Mm -hmm. Ewan, with an almost insightful question. Why do you need a lawyer, Greg? So I say almost insightful because he is saying your focus on needing a lawyer tells me that you're probably more wrapped in this than you're letting on. However, it's not that insightful of a question because like anyone tangentially remotely ever close to this thing should have a lawyer. So, I mean, you know, of course he should have a lawyer. I agree, but it's an excellent read on Greg. Anyone thinking about this logically would have gotten a lawyer from day one, regardless of their level of involvement. Shit's going to go spreading everywhere. But Greg, the fact that Greg is frantically looking for a lawyer Tells volumes to you and Greg, if everyone's showing up to battle in armor and then I, f- I feel kind of exposed here in my loincloth. Hey, sorry. Bad visual. I think it's a good, I think it's a pretty good metaphor. I think it's a great metaphor to describe the situation. What value a lawyer offers you. I, Greg, well said. Ewan then says, okay, I can back you. I'll get you a lawyer and presumably pay for one too. Ewan, that'll do. I'll call you. Babe reference. I love that so much. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he's, he was the guy from babe, right? He was, he was farmer Hoggett back in, back in babe. He hasn't aged in like 40 years. either. I disagree. He's aged. He is that aged. Does not look good. He does not look good. He's still holding it together. Given how old he actually is more saying that he looked like an old man. Then and he's just a somewhat older man. Now that'll do. That reminded me of the community episode where they had RIP, um, uh, um, uh, the guy who played, uh, Omar, uh, and yeah. um, he was on community and he actually in community said a man's got to have a code. They wrote that line into community. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams. They had him say it. And like I was watching community and my like chair and just I always fell out of it. Ah! Like, that's kind of the moment they give you there. That'll do. I also find it hilarious that Greg reflexively goes in to hug his granddad and then has to remind himself, Oh, he's not that type of granddad. Yeah. You can see it. You can see the wheels spinning in his mind. Like, Oh, thanks. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're you. Yeah. I don't hug you. Got it. Yeah, well, sorry. Also paralleling the whole shiv parallels we saw earlier. Uh, we have Greg yell out as you walks away. I love you. And you not say it back. So it's fun yeah. to see a little parallels the same between the characters right now. Cut to Kendall Roman and shiv all going into Sophie's room. Kendall asks them not to touch anything. Roman immediately starts touching things. Pointedly, just everything they can. Kendall says it's simple. Quote, let's gang up on dad and take him down. Roman, woo, let me close the door first. Getting heated. Shiv asks why he didn't come to them before taking such a drastic step. And Kimble- Kendall, this is a very important point here, right? Because we were all wondering, was this planned? Was this an impulsive oh, yeah. move? Key on answer it question. seems to be some combination of the two. We get the answer here because Kendall says it all came together late in his head. Roman says, oh, so it was spontaneous. And Kendall says, well, I'll talk to a lawyer. But hilariously, the lawyer advised him not to do what yeah. he did. Uh, shocker. 
Uh, Kendall then says, well, so in essence, I was acting alone. Roman, quote, right. A spontaneous, heartfelt outpouring of thoroughly lawyered emotion. I nominate that for potential Wonderful line line. succession. Wonderful line. Yeah. Shiv uh, says he made this very hard, uh, but she's there to see what he wants to get him to back down. Roman. Oh, yeah. On dad's behalf. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. So we get this little dance here for about the next 10 minutes with Roman and Shiv not really knowing what the other one is truly there for and also starting to question why they're there. Shiv is questioning why she's there a little bit more than Roman is, but it's a strange dance the two of them are doing around Kendall and each other. This is why I really like to call it, I I think this is accurately viewed as part two of episode one, because they were doing the exact same thing in episode one in every one of their interactions, where they were trying to be very coy about what their reason, what their thoughts were, what they were doing, what they were planning, or why they were doing what they were doing. And we're still seeing that of where they're siblings, they purportedly love each other, but no one in this room has been willing to to speak honestly as to what they feel, except maybe Kendall. Kendall says, okay, so if I say no deal, you'll just leave, uh, go back and tell him that. The Roman and Shiv hesitate. Connor arrives. Is that Connor's music? Mm-hmm. Roman, right. I thought I heard a clown car pulling up. <laughs> Duh. Uh, I, you know, you seem to have a soft spot for for uh, Connor. I do, and this episode reinforced it of where he's always been weird, but he's independent from his family, but serves the peacemaker among them. And we see it a lot this episode of where he has a certain degree of perspective on himself and the world that everybody else lacks. It's a weird damn perspective, but I think being so isolated from his family has allowed him to develop in his own unique way and allow him to actually look at things honestly in a way that none of them can't. He also knows None where the can. fault lines are. He knows where the fault lines are. Kendall <laughs> skips right to wanting to make a media appearance with all four of them. Roman, are we going to be wearing costumes that you designed? Asshole. Shiv says no to that. They cut that down pretty quick. Connor comes in and says, Logan is looking for them. Shiv says, well, we're here on his behalf. Great quote from Connor. Oh, sure thing, honey. Me too. All about dad. <laughs> Kendall asks them to turn off the devices and get into it. Kendall. Uh, here's a potential nominee uh, for for Kindle's uh, award of the week. So my thing is, if this shit was just epiphenomenal, epiphenomenal, maybe it could be ridden out. But these incidents are symptomatic of a foundational sickness within our father and his company. Oof. Is that a, is that one for pseudo corporate pop culture, self-sabotaging Kindle Roy Babel of the week? That one, I I, so. given that I had to look that one the fuck up. Yeah, that one ranks. Epiphenomenal. Whew, man, I, I really practiced that one. I thought I was going to be able to get it out. You, no did, such luck. you did well. Roman, don't use that. Don't he use that tongue prettier than a $20 whore? <laughs> Shiv chuckles. Shiv loves a dirty joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, ask Kendall what his point is. Kendall says, my point is the milk has gone sour. Connor, well, that explains it. <laughs> Connor's <laughs> spitting fire. Out. He is spitting fire. Trying to figure out what the hell Kendall is saying at any given point is, is not easy. I will give it to these characters. It is not easy. Kendall says, the old guard is going down. Kendall, it's our time. Roman, great quote. Oh, us. You mean this multi-fucking ethnic transgender alliance 20-something dreamers we got right here. <laughs> great line. Great line. Yeah, basically calling out, look, we are the privileged of the privileged of the 1%. Like, don't say that, like, we are part of this movement, this, you know, Me Too and Black Lives Matter movement. We have nothing to do with that, obviously. Kendall, another nominee. Big picture. We're the end of a long American century. That's what he says, by the way. Not we're at an end. He says we're the end. Mm-hmm. It's strange. We're the end of a long American century. Our company is a declining empire inside of a declining empire. Basically, you got a little bit like preach it from Connor with that one. Mm-hmm. 
people are killing themselves with people are killing themselves with guns or dope so fast that we're losing pace shiv unsubscribe (laughs) so dismissive what he's what he's saying has some certain element of truth to it here so often with kendall what he's saying has a good foundation has some truth should be listened to he's just a douche and so no one wants to listen to him kendall we're fat fingered fucks who live on cream what i think is within that context we can become an omni-national and reposition we are not tied culturally or physically so we're in a great position to leapfrog tech Information is going to be more precious than water in the next hundred. Spencer, what's going to be, what, what, what do you think is going to be precious in the next hundred? Tell me about the next hundred, Spencer. I, I, it's one of those things where information is more precious than water. Sure. Has that not always been true? That information is just the most valuable thing? It's a line that, I, yeah, you can defend and justify that statement, but it comes across as meaningless because I don't think it's anything new. Completely agree. Kendall pitches becoming the Megalodon of news, basically. He's like, we are just going to yeah. be the big, big, baddest news ship in the damn sea. What? That's what we're going to be. What? What? He then asks if they are interested in romances betraying his father doesn't sit well with him. A key aspect of it is uh, Logan's very focused on U.S. news. He wants to reinvest even more in U.S. news. He wants local news. He wants to control it from the floor to the ceiling in terms of what the news is in the United States. We haven't seen as much of these really interested in international news, really international developments. It doesn't seem to be much, as much, quite as much his focus. Kendall, on the other hand, believes in international is everything. And I, eh, I think he's got uh, maybe a reasonable thought there. Yeah, I don't know. But other not a, not other other companies aren't quite as obsessed with news as we are. So it's not necessarily as large of a market financially in some other countries. Sure. Like they don't sit and just like stare at 24-hour fucking cable news channels. Like that's it crazy thing to rightly so for a lot of people in this world um kendall says he's a central player in a rotten cabal who's eaten the heart out of american democracy roman says rotten cabal would be a good band name not bad not yeah, bad Probably right. good death metal death metal band you think yeah, that, rotten cabal? If, if you just saw rotten cabal and had no context to what kind of music they played you would assume death metal right yeah absolutely roman says if logan didn't do it someone else uh someone else would have uh, and then Kendall goes on a long jag about how maybe nothing matters. What? Eventually landing at a mocking tone toward Roman's position. Right. So do you believe that nothing matters? I don't believe that. We can't believe that. It's very much Kendall kind of picking up like the liberal banner here of where I'm going to be the defender of democracy. I'm going to speak for the people aren't being spoken for. He, jo- he said previously, we kind of mocked him that I'm you when he was talking to Shiv. In some ways, he's at least assuming that banner in a way that she never has. Well, there is a little fatalism in the modern conservative movement, right? This idea like, well, if the if the planet is changing, um, there's nothing we can do about it, right? This like fatalistic, like, well, it's just going to happen. Still, there's nothing we can do. Too late. Kind of kind of dovetailed with what Roman was getting at there. And I, th- I feel like while Kendall was making a cogent point, he was also doing a little bit of mocking there. Yeah. Roman then just says, you know what? Fuck this. I'm a spy. I'm going to go right back and tell dad everything. So whatever you say, I'm just going to say to Logan. Kendall says, look, I can't do this alone. I, he says, look, I can do this alone. I can, folks. I've basically got this in the bag. It's pretty much over. I mean, I'm basically <laughs> sure. I mean, it's pretty much done. Yeah, yeah. But I'm being open-hearted here. Quote, I want to offer you a fucking ticket to the escape pod. Great Kendallism. Kendall mm. then completely misreads the situation. And ask Roman if he's happy. Logan went over Roman's head to pick Jerry. Yet again, another character not knowing the dynamic and the relationship between 
Roman and Jerry and misplaying his hand. It's definitely misplaying his hand, but it's a useful thing to bring up now just because it also it thinks it leads Shiv to believe that Roman's full of shit. Because she's pissed about it. She she's uses a mortal offense. So she can't understand that Roman might have a different perspective on this. And so when Roman says, I think she was the good choice, Shiv immediately thinks that Roman's now full of crap. And I can't trust anything he says. So it's an interesting thing to have aired right now. And I think it's worthwhile that Ken aired it, even if he truly does not know where Roman's thoughts are. Yeah, Roman very seriously says, I think Jerry was a good choice. This annoys Shiv. She this was. really pisses Shiv's off. Who says Jerry can defend herself? Well, not when she's not in the room, nah. Shiv, you idiot. Shiv, quote, you, can hide, you can't hide under the covers with mommy. You love showing your pee-pee to everyone, but someday, you know, you're actually going to have to fuck something. Good God, she can be Oh, that was stop. mean. I, 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 God. And I like that Connor, which I'm guessing he probably has done this throughout their childhood and just knows what he viewed his role is. It's kind of like the peacemaker. He immediately snaps a chip on this, but that was mean. That was low. You shouldn't have said that. And he's the one that goes to try to make sure Rome's okay and get him back in the room. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like most women I would, I would think um, don't belong in a male locker room. Shiv's, I mean, I, think, Shiv, I don't think I'm break. I don't think I'm breaking ground with that. But Shiv, I don't. I think Shiv could just like walk into it, like an NFL locker room because she's just fucking hard. She is hard edged, especially about sexual things. Shiv is a straight up female insult comic when it comes to being able to just stand right up with the big boys kind of thing. Oof, man, she's tough. Um, yeah, to your point, Connor does go out to try to talk to Roman and. Shiv looks at Kendall and says, it's not my fault. He's got a sex thing. Do you think that was too harsh? Kendall still trying to play to Shiv says, no, he's probably, you know, outside jerking off with my ex-wife's panties or some, some dumb joke. Well, it's a, it's an interesting line from Kendall. Cause it, sh- it I, I think he did admit that. I think it revealed a little bit about how he just kind of mo- has this mocking view of Roman. It's interesting to see that Connor and Roman are often the only people that are able to show empathy towards other people. Kendall can do it, or at least, feel, at least we can feel empathy for him. But it seems almost like Connor and Roman are much better at actually just interacting with people and understanding where they are emotionally than either Kendall or Shiv are. Yeah. Um, then we cut to the hotel that Logan is in as, is that Marsha's music? Woo! My she has returned. Back. And, sir. And it's interesting. We had we had this argument. We debated this. There was, a, there was a throwaway line that Kendall and his folks had basically saying that they had Marsha, or that at least they... They had her on the line or they had her vote or something. I said they wouldn't be saying that. They wouldn't be assuming that if I had talked to her. And I assumed they were you, full of shit. You assume they were full of shit. I still don't think we know for sure because there's it's absolutely on the table that they called Marsha first. And Marsha's still mad at Logan and said, yeah, sure, I'm with you. But now Marsha, sensing an economic opportunity, mm-hmm. goes to Logan and says, okay, well, let, let's see if I can start restructuring some deals here. If they called Marsha and Marsha said sure, and they just interpret that as being she's 100% in our camp, they're blithering morons. Marsha is a power player. She's going to go with her best best opportunity is, and Logan has a lot more to offer her than, than Kendall ever could. Well, to Kendall's camp's credit, it was like a quick throwaway line about Marsha. They it didn't was. hang on that, what? so we don't know exactly how much stock they're putting into her. Well, it was like five minutes after Kendall did, did the press conference. I don't think they probably had much of an opportunity to talk with her, really. Yeah, I don't know. It could have been like a text or something. Who knows? But anyway, Marsha's there. That's Marsha's music. Music, uh, Marsha's in the squared circle. She goes to Logan. Those fucking kids of yours. Boy, she does not no, like his no. kids. Um, she asks him how he is. Logan says, it's not a good time to be estranged. 
She says she was hurt very badly by what he did. Marsha says, so Logan, I can't eat shit, Marsha. I just can't. That's honest. That's an honest. Uh, th- yeah. Lo- Logan, you know, you can, we know you can't. And it's good to see you admit that you can't. And Marsha knows that can't you can't. Eat, can't eat shit. I'm not going to stand here and apologize to you for anything. He, he Marcia says, you're a fool. He gives her something here. He gives her a little something, which she seems to he, immediately yep. appreciate. He says, I can sometimes get uh, distracted. And that was enough, I think. Marsha grabbed his lapel, smiled at him, and says, of course, I like to have a small conversation with someone. Logan moves so that she can go talk to Hugo. That, that is the moment closest we're ever going to see as, as a moment of vulnerability from Logan. It's to say that he can get distracted sometimes. And- I can get distracted and we can see the pride that is in this man that the fact that he's even willing to concede that is enough that it's a loving moment between two people yeah because marcia knows how big that is for him to even admit that cut back to the kids shiv says sorry roman for what i don't give a shit i went to the bathroom you whore oh yeah well (laughs) you don't you don't sound upset roman not a bit no kendall says dad is complicated but he did let bad stuff happen and they knew and now is their time for absolution. Shiv, Kendall, and Roman then all have a pretty benign back and forth on if they knew. Basically what they are is they're arguing to arguing to what extent they knew about all of the crimes and ethical lapses of Waystar Royco. Basically arguing on the margins without actually taking it to a full argument. Like wondering to what extent they actually knew about these things. Kendall seems pretty firm that they knew enough that they need to feel guilt and they need to feel spurred to action. I don't think that Roman and definitely not Shiv think that they knew enough that they feel any of this obligation that Kendall is, is trying to convey here. And I think Connor's one that pretty actively gets it down to brass tacks of where it doesn't matter if you didn't know the precise details, which is what Roman and Shiv are very much focused. Ah, I didn't see the smoking gun, so I don't bear any liability. It's like, we're not, I think Connor says, I'm not saying you're responsible. But we knew. We knew the culture. We knew the people. We knew, and we need to accept that. I, Kendall clearly believes that, but Kendall actually knew fucking everything, it seems. Given, Wasn't Kendall, like, the guy over the guy that ran cruises? Yeah, but it's still unclear just how much of that Mo was just doing. They had you know, records. Because, like, uh, well, yeah, but we, we, we are, we were told that Logan did not know for sure. I mean, he did not know a lot of this stuff for sure. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of this was just, I think there was, they knew of the negative corporate culture. I don't knew. I don't think that the executives knew the exact things that were happening. Um, and you I, can parse if that matters, I, if, I, if that matters at I, all. And that's kind of what they're arguing here. I th- I'm with Connor on this. The fact you didn't know the precise details is irrelevant. You knew that this could happen and you turned a willful blind eye to it. And there's some and responsibility for that. Yeah. Ken- and that's what Kendall said. Connor and Kendall yeah, are in the I, same I, camp here. Yeah. But I wonder if Kendall really feels that or if it's his way of trying to motivate them to action. Who can say? Connor feels uh, it, Kendall, believes it. Kendall, uh, you never can tell whether it's a marketing pitch or his honest thoughts. Kendall. We knew the jokes and the vibe to women and the grubby fat asses who took the cruises, the blind eye and the payoffs and the hush hush about dad's pals or foreign workers who got crushed like meat in a fucking grinder with zero training and the border barrel and clean out the rats in the hold. And, you know, no, it wasn't our fault. And you you want to pretend your shit doesn't stink. But but we knew Shiv says she didn't know about the dancers who were fucking for their jobs or the migrants who were being thrown off the boats. 
She just knew not to get in the pool with all these fucking weird old men. She does raise a point here. I'm going to give a point to Shiv in this argument. Shiv says, look, I was 15. Basically, Shiv is calling out. I am younger than you guys. So during a lot of the stuff that was happening here, I actually was like, I was much younger than you were, Connor. So you might like wrap it around your fucking head that maybe you knew a little bit more about what was going on in the 30 plus years you have on me or however fucking old this actor Alan Connor is. Uh, Al, uh, Alan Rudd? Is that the name of the actor? Alan Rudd. Yeah. Alan Rudd. Yeah. He's, he's way older than the actor. Well, well, he's, he's only 10 years younger than Brian Cox. That's the age difference yeah. we're talking about here. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a fair point by Shiv, but it views this problem as stopping when she was like 15. It's like, Shiv, Mo died last year. This was going on for a while. This was an issue of where right. you at least know about it in retrospect and be aware of it. We're not saying guilt. We're saying knowledge. That's a different point. But Mo, Mo died last year, but he wasn't over Cruz's last year. Remember, there was an interim guy, the guy the, that Tom took over from. There was, there was an interim guy, but I, I have a hard time believing that Mo retired when she was 15. I think Mo continued on for a while thereafter, and the culture continued for on for a while thereafter. And also, they knew other details thereafter since, even if they didn't necessarily see them in the moment. But... It, we're debating semantics with the same way the characters are. Well, no, I mean, I do think it's important that Shiv was much younger than them. And I, I do think it's a fair point for her to bring up that she she may have not known quite as much as, as Connor and, and Kendall did. Because it is the two oldest people in the room arguing that they knew the most to the two youngest people. The, the Roman, Shiv, Roman, are in, we? Roman in particular worked no. for, you know, the entertainment division. As Kendall points out, no, 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 you lived this, sir. You knew. Yeah, but it. he's also a fucking imbecile. And you know, and fair so, point. Like, he should. He may have should have known, but he might have just been too well, busy, like jerking off I, in a corner or like not I, showing up to work or checking his I, emails. I think part of Kendall's point here too is that you also know our dad, and you need to. We need to have an honest conversation about what kind of guy our dad is in a way that Roman and Shiv are resisting. I just feel like both things can be true. Absolutely. Like, I think and that's everybody, the point. I think everyone is right in this argument. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like what Kendall is saying is true. And, and their response to it is not necessarily a full rebuke to what Kendall is saying. And it is also true it, that they didn't know the specifics it, of what was going on. So all the things can be true. It's an avoiding of personal responsibility. They're trying to focus on the personal responsibility rather than accepting Kendall's point. Are from Shiv, are we excluded from the kingdom of heaven unless we accept the one true truth? <laughs> Kendall goes on to, quote, hug his kids. Uh, but we see he goes outside to talk to Stewie. Kendall apologizes to Stewie. I'm glad that Stewie is in season three. I oh, really yeah. do a lot. Stewie's great. Scenes. He is a great character and he's a funny actor. Apologizes for not telling him about the press conference. Stewie says he's got to, quote, see the Viet. He got to, quote, see the Vietnamese monk light himself on fire. I got a ticket to the greatest freak show on earth. Mm -hmm. Talking about Kendall's press conference. Kendall, um, ask uh if it plays and and stewie wants to know if he has a case kendall says well i can kill him and so he says well we're all ears but we just don't see it basically look we're gonna listen to you but this doesn't sound like something we're down well, with I mean, kendall gets in the limo and, whoop sandy is not there is the actor who plays sandy not on the, the show anymore because it what? doesn't even sound like that him on the on the horn i don't know I mean, they talked before, they joked before that the, uh, Sandy, the character, the guy, father character was suffering from like syphilis or something. So they may have been just playing up he was in bad health anyway, but we've never heard about Sandy the Younger previously, right? No, she's never new. heard of her. I, I don't know whether, figure out, is it, I don't know whether is the, the actor's actor still alive. I, I truly don't know. I, I, I really entertain the thought, but he clearly is now functioning through a proxy for some reason or another. 
I'm looking it up. Larry Pine. Let's see if Larry Pine is still alive. Uh, yep, still alive. Okay, so then either they just didn't have the actor or this was strategic. Because it was Stewie's daughter who was in the car. And she's very much serving as the dad's proxy. She's very much serving as a representative for him. Right. And Kendall makes this point like, hey, he starts right out with, hey, I know you want to. I know that Sandy wants to kill my dad. And she pushes back on this and says, that's not really how he does business. He's here because of the business fundamental. Spencer, do you believe that? No, I don't. No, I don't at all. I don't either. Neither does Kendall. None of us believe it because we've seen enough and we've heard enough from Sandy to know that part of it is personal from him. Of course it is. It's all personal. There's nothing. It's just business. Kendall says, well, the offer we gave you in Greece, that's still on the table. Just no Logan. He then predicts Logan will offer Sandy board seats, but he says, look, don't buy that bullshit. You know, he's just going to, he's just going to do that and take them right away from you. It's, it's not real. Whatever he's offering you as a facade. Stewie asks him, well, what do you want today? Kendall. Kendall says, look, I just want a conversation and some understanding. Mm -hmm. Cut to Marsha. Oh my God. What a scene here. This is just <laughs> cards on the table. Yeah. There's no more questions about the nature of this relationship. They are just putting it out there for you in black and white. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Uh, she's Carolina's on the phone, so we still get more Carolina. Mm -hmm. He's talking about a press conference uh, to talk about maybe where the relationship is at or to have the two of them by their side. Marsha drills right in, says she was quite humiliated with Logan's infatuation, quote, with that woman, talking about uh, Holly Hunter from the last season. Indeed. Hugo, uh, Carolina, uh, do, do you want to? Carolina, no, Hugo, you go. <laughs> Neither one of them have touched that. Um, uh, then Marsha goes on. I was humiliated and it needs to be made right. He was led by his prick. Hugo just barrels right ahead. His talking points needs to address. Keeps talking. And then she goes on to say she was a whore. It's not my problem if she wouldn't finish him. So spiteful, Marsha. Spiteful. Mm -hmm. Hugo doesn't know. Um, uh, what Marcia to do with this? <laughs> yeah, what to do with it. Excuse me. <clears throat> Marcia says that in order for her to return to the public, then she will need changes to the trust, her kids taken care of, and her financial position to be improved. Her assistant then takes over and preps them for what they she prepares and says, "Look, these are going to look like big numbers. Mm -hmm. Anytime you get, anytime you start a negotiation this way, <laughs> hey, look, this is going to look like a big number. You know what that means? You're about to see a big number. Oh yeah, that's what that means. Yeah, if they ever feel the need to say it, I quote: "I'm going to pro the numbers I'm going to propose will sound like very, very double, very large numbers." Yeah, it's going to be a day right here. Cut back to Connor, who's on the phone to some wine storage place, and he's apparently worried about earthquakes. Um, I'm glad he's still handling his own business during all of this. Geological survey concerns, sir. This is an important issue. Shiv then approaches Roman. Shiv, where you at? Roman, just hear him out and report. So they kind of go back and forth here. Saying this before. And what they're arguing about is, okay, if we all turn, will that kill that? And Shiv seems convinced that it will. Roman is eh, not so sure. Eh, not so sure. Roman or Shiv keeps telling Roman, look, I'm telling you, it's a statement of fact. If we bail on dad, he's going to die. Roman, nope, I don't think so. Nope. And then he finally says, Where are you giving me fucky eyes? Sidebar. He could be a real creep to his, his sister. <laughs> oh, we've he seen this be before. Really, yeah. Really weird to his sister. Because he starts going like, Oh, you're giving me fucky eyes, almost like you're flirting with me or something. And Shiv is like obviously rightfully disgusted by this roman then says look we shouldn't you shouldn't be trying to convince me and it's not even necessarily true 
Roman, this is dad. He's like fucking Moby Dick. He could take us all down with his back riddled with harpoons. Yep. Shiv goes on to say that if they back Kendall, then Logan's toast. Shiv then says they need to figure out what they're going to do because, quote, this is our moment. Shiv, he's not infallible. Roman, yeah, yeah, sure. I just don't think he ever fails or ever will. Mm. Fair, fair. (laughs) Uh, Shiv says he missteps all the time, especially now. You know, this isn't 20 years ago. Connor, it's very hard to imagine him surviving if we all allied and backed Kendall. Very cogent, rational summary of what they're trying to talk about. I, I actually agree with Connor here. To your point, I think Connor's actually making some sense this episode. Yeah. Shiv reiterates, and Roman says his only concern is that this might actually kill Dad. So now, we might actually, like, like actually murder him. Like, yeah. dead, dead. Uh, uh, Kindle returns. I think Roman's concerned about that in a way the rest of them maybe aren't. Or at least, at least Shiv maybe isn't. Well, he always is, right? They, yeah. There's always these little moments where Roman goes over to Logan and says, Hey, Dad, are you, like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, you. Roman does that with a lot and of it's, people. See, it's... It's yeah, well, because he's the only one who's ever said he's been in therapy of this whole fucking family that needs therapy. No, no, he's been very open about the fact that he has been. I think that like it does. He does have something in his brain. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's how he's naturally bored or maybe it's something he's learned through like working with with like professionals. He does have this thing of like, okay, but how are how are the people? Yeah. How are the people doing right now? And he thinks about that in a way that definitely Shiv does it. And I don't think Kendall does. Yeah. We've seen it before of like. Last season, Roman was consistently the one that was always checking on Kendall. He's the one that picked him up when Kendall was on the bender. He was asking Kendall several times how he was doing and checking with him. He was one of the few people that actually stood up for Kendall when it, when it, when um when Logan said that Kendall was going to be the human sacrifice. So also we saw last season that Roman oh, was dad, the dad. Kendall, no, no, dad, Kendall. Yeah, he did. He jumped right in and actually in front of everyone said, "No, that's not okay, dad. We shouldn't do that." He also soaked very quickly when he was in that well, um, junior executive training course, bonded with the people that were around him and got to be friends with them and recommended them. Roman, this is a weird fucking statement, but Roman's a bit of the men of the man of the people in a way that none of his siblings, I think, are. Yeah, absolutely. He, he certainly is. And it's something that I think that Jerry likes about him. And I think that's something Logan has noticed about him. Yes. Schiff says that even if Kendall wins, even if you win, you're not going to win the proxy battle because the shareholders aren't going to like it and they won't back the family. I think there's a lot of truth in this. It's a fair. A con- lot, a it's lot a, of truth. It's a very good point for Schiff to bring up now about we invest in you. What are we getting out of this? What's the return? hundred percent. Kendall says Sandy and Stewie, Sandy and Stewie would back down quote. I've spoken to them. Roman busy fucking bee. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to point out. That's not at all what they said to Kendall. We didn't not see the all. close of the conversation. We did not see the close. Maybe they agreed. Maybe he's just bullshit. Yeah. But th- th- we, we have this argument all the time because like they gave us every indication that that is not where Sandy and Stewie were thinking yeah. like that. They, 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 absolutely were giving us the impression that like they are not necessarily with Kindle. Stewie even says it. He's like, we did. I don't think we buy it. It's also, I don't think we're buying what you're putting down here. It's also possible. They told him that, Hey, get your siblings on board and then we'll talk. Yeah, maybe, but it didn't seem remotely positive. What we saw. I mean, I, yeah, like not negative. I'm not saying negative, but it did not seem positive. We did. We did not see the signed contract the way he's representing it. Re- representing it as. I, I think. I think that we. I think we can put two and two together here to say that he is overplaying his hand with regard to what. <laughs> Kendall overplaying his hand when it comes to yeah. trying to kill his father. No, we've never seen that before. Kendall then says he doesn't know 
um, what to feel about Logan, but he was going to sit. You basically like, I don't know what to feel about him. I'm going to outsource that to my therapist. A good line. Whatever. But he was going to send me to jail. He'd do the same for you, Rome and Khan. Shiv, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So what do we really owe him here? I think he's being very honest there. I do think that Logan would have absolutely sacrificed Roman. I do think he absolutely would have sacrificed Connor. I am he did sacrifice sure. Kendall. I am not sure he would have Shiv. I think that's a great, very good point. It's eh, it's kind of on the line with her. I think when if he if I think she would be the last one. He would sacrifice everybody else before her, but if his back was against the wall, I still think he'd send her down the river. But she, I think she's very much the apple of his eye. Roman asks, okay, well, let's say we do this. What's the shape of this new fucking reality? Kindle, very clear. Absolutely no ambiguity here. I really like how straightforward he is with his answers and how clearly her, he articulates his vision here. It's what a true leader does. Mm-hmm. He says, we're looking at 323 BC, basically. Yeah, yeah, I understand that reference. Didn't you understand that reference? Alexander the Great's death. Immediately apparent. <laughs> <Something nut. laughs> Alexander's dead. I take Asia. You take Egypt. Shiv takes Europe. Khan, yeah, rest of the world. Yeah, well done. Kindle says, all right, we do separate division. Uh, I oversee us a CEO on paper. Whoop, and there we go. He's lost Shiv. Shiv is out. She's gone. She is never going to agree to a reality where Kindle is CEO. If, and that is because that becomes abundantly clear as they're talking. If Kendall had said your CEO in this moment, I think she had her. He would have had her, and he would have had the room. Because I think if, if one if one of them committed, the other two would have followed. But because yeah, but he, he yeah. Kendall has great ideas, but he doesn't know people and how to deal with people. And this is another moment that shows that even with his own fucking family, this would have been obvious. That's how you get Shiv in on this. But you could see, you know, as someone who is rooting for Kendall. When he starts talking, he goes, I could oversee us as CEO on paper. I was like, oh, no. Like, it's like, oh, my yep. God, my favorite quarterback just threw an interception. Like, it just went right to the hands of the opponent. Because he'd done really well up to this moment of selling them slowly on this. They were building this them closer like, and closer, and this pulled them back. Didn't stop it. Didn't kill it. But it was definitely a pullback. Roman clarifies, oh, so you'd oversee everyone. Quote here from Kendall. I'd offer my leadership initially as part of a transformational process. Connor says, well, that's a stretch. Uh, Connor, it's a stretch. Uh, or uh, then uh, a, g- a great line here from Roman. It's a stretch. It's a sh- it's a scrotum over a timpani drum. Yeah. Shiv says she needs to take over if she joins him, which is exactly what she. I think we should have proposed. Shiv says she's the only person who can reform. Here's a really dismissive line from Kendall. Uh, You're still seen as the token woman, wonk, woke snowflake. I don't think that that's just that's just what the market thinks. Roman clarifies that's true. I just spoke to the market. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shiv gets up. Go, go ahead. It, it, it's just rough. It, it shows this is Kendall acting Logan's son. The moment anyone resists him and how brilliant his plans are, he immediately tells them to go fuck themselves in creative ways. Yep, Shiv gets up to make calls. She asks that the conversation stayed there. Oh, of course, it will not. Hell, it. It's about to not because she's about to go talk about the conversation with Tom. She literally says, let's have the conversation stay here. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, let me tell you about this conversation. Shiv calls Tom. Uh, Shiv says she's with Ken and Tom's reaction clues Shiv's in that he knew right away. But Shiv lets that go. She doesn't have time to dwell on that. She explains that he's offering an alliance. Tom seems a little bit spooked by that. Shiv asks how he's doing. And Tom says, well, the Bosnians <laughs> think they should leave. I love that little offline. 
Yeah, it's not good. She asked Tom about it, and he uh, he says, well, it's interesting, but who ends up as King Potato? And she's like, well, you know, it could be me, right? It could be me. You can see it, right? You can see it. Tom does not give a convincing yeah to can you see it mm-hmm. as me as CEO. Meanwhile, who does Roman call? Roman calls Jerry. Well, one thing to note in that conversation is that Shiv, one of the things that Kendall said is you have no experience. You have no back. You have no prior history in this company, no business experience. And Shiv does voice those concerns in a bit of an honest moment with Tom that she's never worked for the company. She has no job title. She would be jumping from non-existent to the king potato in an instant. And even she kind of recognizes that that's how much could we sell that? Yeah, which is why she's telling Tom, you can see it, right? You can see it. Trying to get Tom to build her up. And Tom really doesn't see it. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Uh, Meanwhile, Roman calls Jerry. He starts right out. I'm just going to put my dick in your mad screaming scissor hands, Jerry Roman. (laughs) (laughs) Cuts him off. He goes on to explain that Kendall's telling him to join up and take down Logan. It's so funny what he does here. So in essence, what he's doing is he's calling her. Out of respect. Squealing on Kendall. But he also like, hey, can you set that aside and just be like my counselor friend or whatever you yeah. are and give me some advice here, which I don't know. It, he that's what he asked her. And, and she does a pretty decent job of wearing multiple hats in the same time at the same time in a way that ultimately ends on the point that she wants him to have. Of course she does. And she yeah. says basically like you've all joined together. Yeah, you probably will take down the. The, the board will probably vote Logan out. You know, you'll, it'll be all your votes. And, you know, the show of strength, it'll probably work. But... None of you win in the end. Uh, it's it's snake linguini. I don't think uh, you any of you actually come out of it. Like, you all are going to go down too. Mm-hmm. Roman then says, obviously, I can't trust you. Your advice is so compromised as to be worthless. True. But is that your advice, Jerry? Stick with me, Roman. We have something going on. Ooh. <laughs> Pepper, pepper, pepper yeah. it in there, pepper it in there. Just a little bit, little carrot on a stick for that horse, carrot on a stick. And I'm an incredibly dangerous enemy to whom you've just imparted presidential information. Roman cuts her off. Don't threaten me, Jerry. I don't have time to jerk off. <laughs> this was what I was referencing earlier of where every one of their lines interactions can be perceived as sexual, given what we know Roman's kink is. Yep. Yep. You don't never, like, it's so interesting. And, and they did this in season two, right? You didn't know when they were starting. Yeah. Because you thought at times that Jerry was just telling him, Roman, you're, stop it. You're being weird. But then the very next sentence would be like, you're a really bad boy. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa why, why are they closing the bathroom door? What's happening now? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Inside, Logan has sent donuts. I, 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 uh, I got a little story here. Um, please. I have sent a lot of donuts in my life. Have you sent them and for this purpose? No, but I'll tell you this. People don't eat donuts like that. This is, this is an old school idea. You probably do because you're a maniac. But most people don't like when you when you just are like, hey, I am going to have a meeting. Like yeah. I'm having a meeting, right? I'm going to bring donuts to the meeting. Nine times out of ten, nobody picks up a donut. Why? A donut is a big commitment. To pick up and eat an entire donut in the middle of a meal for an adult is a big fucking commitment. So this idea of sending donuts is a really antiquated idea. Nobody really you, wants you, a donut middle of the day anymore. You say this, but if those donuts are in that meeting, I'm eating three before that 30-minute meeting is done. <laughs> well, of course you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, they're free. Free calories. Oh, yeah. So great. I can, skip, I can skip lunch now. 
Yeah, for sure. Save that six bucks. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of strange. But anyway, Logan has said donuts. They go back and forth on if it's poison. It's well, pretty funny. I love the yeah. I, I love the reaction, the physical reactions from the characters to the fucking donuts being in the room. It's donuts. It is a cardboard box with sugar in it. But the first little scene we have is Connor holding the card, looking like he just got a little note from a hostage from a from a hostage taker saying, "We have your wife." It's that level of concussed. When everybody else sees it, they almost physically flinch back from it. Kendall calls for a vote. He calls for a floor vote. He has his whip. Contact all the congressmen. (laughs) The lights light up. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for the votes. Let's bring him in. First one off the ship, Connor. Connor says, nope, I'm out. Can't do it. Uh, It's just not working for me. He actually tells him, I'm a national figure. And he doesn't want to do that to his dad. He doesn't want to take his dad down that way. Uh, I mean, Kendall yep. snaps to mean very, very oh, fast. Very mean. Meanest we've ever seen him interact with Connor. He says, you're not wanted. You're not wanted over and over again until Roman finally says, dude, it's not like he hasn't heard that enough in his life. Again, it was a funny line, but it was also insightful. And it was also Roman saying, hey, man, that's probably not a cool thing to say to fucking Connor. Like, yeah. Maybe you should drop that. <sighs> It's brutal on Kendall's part, and it just keeps going. But particularly, I think the most brutal of all of this is what he throws to Connor right now. Because of all of the siblings, Connor least deserves it, of what he throws in their faces. I am Team Kendall. I'm still Team Kendall at the end of this episode. I'm not going to bury the lead. I still am voting for Kendall. I still think Kendall's going to win. This is a very, 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 I'm going to give it three very tough it, it, scene from for, for Kendall. It is tough. He is absolutely childish. He is not, he's not at all um, tactical or strategic in this conversation. It is all emotion and ego, and it is a bad fucking look. Well, it's Kendall at his most Logan, but I don't even think Logan would say this. I think Logan would be, as you said, much more strategic about, about, about how he went about it, even if he's pissed in this given moment. Kendall is just, he's being a bully in a way that I didn't see out of him previously, but it says that... Maybe we wanted to believe in season two that his shit didn't stink as much as everybody else's, but we're seeing it playing here. Okay. Then Roman says pass. Number of reasons. Roman gives him the finger as Kendall keeps going on and on. Kendall, uh, what I eat don't make you shit. That's a nice nice rap reference there. That's pretty good. Um, and then uh, he says, there's enough for us all. Roman says, she's, Roman says, she's with dad. Um, talking about Shiv, mm-hmm. uh, or no, Roman says he's with dad. Shiv says uh, that she's with dad too. Kendall then, very angry child, knocking over the sand castle, stomping his feet. Why? Basically says Shiv owes him an explanation as to why. Shiv's like, well, I really kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally Shiv just breaks character and says, look, I can see you're angry, but please don't project your disappointment onto me. Kendall, there's a time to be someone. It's high tide. It's high tide. It's like Captain Crazy over here. Oh yeah, this fucking, fucking sea boat captain hat on. He seems nuts here. Shiv takes off. Then we have from, uh, then we have from Kendall. Is it cowardice or avarice? I'm intrigued. Shiv, fuck you, plastic Jesus. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Good luck, Kendall. You're a twat. Kendall is Ooh. not being very clever Ooh. here. Uh, Shiv, I'm the only one you wanted. Kendall, here is the worst line. Oh, yeah. you, want to, you want to burn a bridge? You're never going to be able to go back This is the worst across? one he's ever said. Terrible, awful. This is this is top two bad Kindle lines. Of oh, all this time. is horrible. Only because you're a girl. 
Girls count double now, don't you know? It's only your teats that give you any value. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but he is saying it's, yeah, it's a Shiv. It's not going to bother Shiv. He, again, this is Kendall channeling Logan. I can see Logan saying this line. Not to Shiv. In my, but, but yeah. Yeah, not, not a good luck. Um, then Kendall hits with this line. You're calling it wrong. And you're fucking over the victims and you're fucking the company at the AGN and therefore renewal at the company and the country and probably the planet. So well done, dipshit. Connor says he doesn't want to destroy Logan. I'm a national figure. Roman tells him to save the planet, save the planet. Kendall keeps calling everyone a prick. Jess comes in and Kendall snaps at her. So Kendall, I'm going to say not Roy of the episode. God, you know, I think Kendall actually may be the, the loser Roy of this episode based on what we say. Cut to Logan. As always, he's watching the news. Logan says he needs to get back to the city. People need to see a little family unity. Marsha, you do have things you could say no to stop him. Logan, you drop some bombs, you get burnt too, you know. So I think this is very obviously a reference to what happened at the end. It's a Chappaquiddick moment at the end of season one. Marsha's saying, hey, you know, you could just drop that atomic bomb and end him. And Logan, very smartly, is like, I actually can't do that anymore because I covered that up for him. Mm -hmm. So I can't really play that card because it takes me down too. Which Kendall, if he's thinking that way, is pretty astute to to go ahead and forge forward. Because I remember at the end of season two, I was thinking, well, he, there's nothing he can do here, right? Because all of season two, we thought that he was hamstrung by this thing, this this death, uh, this Chappaquiddick moment at the end of season one. We thought that he was basically a, a whip dog, you know, a, a just a lieutenant that was just a yes man to Logan from then on on out because he had this thing hanging over him. I'm not sure if. Kendall is thinking of it the way that Logan is, but if he is, he's pretty smart in that, hey, look, dad already covered that up. So he can't bring that up. He can't talk about that publicly or he's going to catch shit too. Yeah. So it is kind of an interesting dynamic they're left with. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of the, the, the old Watergate quote where it's not the crime, it's the cover-up that gets you. Yep, absolutely. Logan gets a call from Roman. You got her? Who, the one that matters? Yeah, I got her. Uh, so Roman already starting to get a little bit irritated with everybody worried about Shiv and not really about him. Roman explains that Shiv was trying to get Kendall to come around. So he's really taking Shiv's back here because I'm not sure that's all that Shiv was doing. No, it uh, wasn't. But she says she couldn't because Kendall has gone bananas. Logan asks if he's solid, if she's solid. Oh, yeah, she's solid. Logan, thank you. Double down. I'm getting out of this shithole. We should be together. Question for you, Spencer. What has changed his mind about now it's safe to go back to the States? Like what, what is, what has happened that he now feels like he can take that risk? Whereas he couldn't two days ago. I don't think it's any actual event. I don't think it's any, like the risks has gone down. I think he just actually sees this as being such a threat that he has to be there in person. We've talked before about the power of Logan is when he can grab somebody by the collar and shake them. We can be there in person to stare them down, which is the power of the fucking donuts. The donuts were enough to channel his presence that it got three of his children to abandon this cause immediately in an instant. That's the power of Logan. And I think he thinks that he can't wield it as effectively as he wants at a distance, regardless of the risks. I don't think anything has changed about the risks of criminality. Yep. Cut to Greg and Ewan. Um, so <laughs> here we are. Um, sir, would you like a, would you like pastrami on rye? Mm-hmm. Would you like a, like a club soda with that? I'd love it. Thank you. Um, please. I just feel like we're at a Jewish deli. That's what I feel like we're at with this fucking guy. This is a very much the old ACLU kind of attorney kind of did to a certain degree. It's very much an archetype and he lives it well. Yeah. He comes right in. I'm drinking a, a red eye. 
I'm drinking a red eye. He's, he's got the strong stuff right away. Mm -hmm. You don't drink coffee, Spencer. Did you know what a red eye was? No, I didn't. Had to look it up. Um, cut to um, them talking. The lawyer is, his name is Pew. He's helping uh, you and do estate planning. Mm -hmm. uh, so question for you. Is a lawyer who's helping with estate planning really a great lawyer for this type of fucking thing? It just feels like this guy is, it feels like you've got like, it feels like you've got liver cancer and you've gone to your general practitioner. It's, it's one of those things of where it used to be the case that a lot of lawyers did everything. A lot of lawyers were generalists. And it's still true for a lot of sole practitioners to a certain degree. But I feel like Hollywood kind of stopped at that mindset and realized just how much attorneys have specialized since and how fucking broad the law is. Is that someone isn't – it's very rare that you have an attorney who appears to run a, a part of a firm do criminal issues and estate planning in the same sense. You just don't see that anymore. We all have our own little niches and practice areas. So, uh, Greg, uh, goes to sit down yeah. in his guy's yeah. office yeah. 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 <laughs> and he just moves some shit yeah. and he's like, I guess yeah, you have a system it. for this. No, just, just move it. Spencer, if I go in your office, can I just start moving shit around? Is that, is that okay? Or do you have a system? You, I, of I, I course, you, operate. you, of course, man, I'll be cursing you under my breath, but yeah, move whatever you but, want. It's fine. <laughs> but you do have a system, right? Of where shit is, right? You can't just start moving stuff around. Yeah. If it's on the desk, it's mine. Ah, okay. There you go. Great system. Uh, Hugh explains that uh, they have priorities. Priority number one, your well-being and a satisfactory outcome. Feel like that's just checking a box to get to this one, which is priority number two. Expose <sighs> the structural contradictions of capitalism as ref refined in the architecture of corporate America. Yeah, that, that is what he says. You're our little wedge to open up the hood and look around at Waystar. I think Greg, upon hearing this, raises some legitimate concerns of, uh, I'm mostly here to not go to jail. Uh, we're focused on that, right? That's not too selfish, right? And the guy yeah. says, eyes on the prize, Greg. Eyes on the prize. Which, if that doesn't seem, should, that moment right there, he should Greg run. Running out of the room. Go run. He should get the hell out of there. I am your patsy. No, not going to be that. What a mess. Poor man. Greg just needs friends. Jack, Greg just needs a friend. He, you know what he needs? He needs Mangum Talks. He needs us. <laughs> he thought, we could help Greg. He thought it was his grandfather. He honestly thought that Ewan would have his back. And this is the moment where we see, hey, he's got your back to a point. To the point that it furthers his cause. Cut to Logan touching down. And he greet. you notice they're very careful about how they, they stage this. Mm -hmm. He greets Roman. He does the like dad, like, oh, uh, like I'm bro, playing with your yeah. son, punch, yeah, I love you. Breezes past everyone else, doesn't even address Jerry. Jerry goes to shake his hand and he walk, walks right past her. Yeah, she's a pro. She handles it well. She does the whoop, whoop, back up, yeah, back up, yeah. like whoop, yep, yep, yep. Gonna, gonna slick my hair back. Yep, here. yep. Tom... Previous to that, had gotten in the car with Shiv. His wife. Logan opens the door. Doesn't say a thing. Tom, get the hell out of here. Tom gets out, gets in the front seat so that Logan can sit in the back seat with Shiv. And he says, good to see you, Pinky. A hug would have been nice. So he's really thinking in terms of this, like, we got to start staging stuff. What? We have to show some family unity, et cetera, et cetera. And the paparazzi were there already taking pictures in the tarmac. So he wanted that for optics. Yep. She, she kind of makes fun of that and he ignores it. Logan says he wants her in before the shareholder meeting 
as president. So now he's splitting bam, the president bam, and CEO. He's, he's thinking about splitting the president and CEO roles. So the CEO would go to Jerry, president of the company, which I would assume would be like an operational job, someone who, who runs various departments. Uh, you can think of it almost like a COO type, except a real COO, not, not whatever the hell Roman was last season, yeah. like a real COO. I think that's kind of what he's pitching for her. She asked what it means. He says it can be whatever you want it to be. Logan, someone at the top with credibility. She says, well, like a mascot. And he's like, eh, my eyes and ears shift at the heart of everything through this shit storm, but wearing a full chemical and biological suit going by the name of Jerry Kelman. Roman gets in the car with Jerry. Kendall shows up to Lisa's. So he's finally fucking finally bad time at the end of this episode, sitting down to try to work out like his actual uh, exposure here to any sort of criminal, uh, criminal liability, criminal issues. Logan looks up at Shiv and he smiles. And that is the end of episode. That's the end of your recap here for season three, episode two. Now you, sir, expressed what you, some of the concerns the internet had. Were these your concerns with this episode? Did you find this episode a bit boring? I love Succession. And I could just, I could watch 50 hours of, of them talking. But yeah, as Succession goes, this is a this is a pretty slow going episode. Not a lot happened, and I would say it was one of the weaker episodes I've seen. However, a weak Succession episode is still something that I will get giddy and, and put my heels on and tap dance around the room to watch. Because even the very worst Succession episode I've ever seen is still something that I would prioritize over pretty much everything else on, on television. That being said, yeah, it's definitely in the bottom quarter of succession episodes I've seen. It's what about you? It's interesting. I'd actually put it in the top half. I thought it was very well written. I thought it was some wonderful character moments. I thought it was very revealing about where each of these characters is going or even presently at. So, yeah, this was my jam. Interesting. I, it, was it a lot because they were, like, batting around, like, like a lot of legal stuff? Is that, did that, like, hit in your vein it, a little bit? It didn't hurt. I, we even talked about this on Game of Thrones. My favorite moments in Game of Thrones, favorite moments in the entire series were just two people in a room talking. Some of my favorite. Yeah, I really liked. I really liked when they were on horseback kicking the shit out of each other. And this is the different things we have to offer this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the end of the the recap here on season three, episode two. I think we can transition now to best line of the episode, or as we call it nowadays, line of succession. Spencer, do you have any nominees for me? Well, first, let me express some disappointment. I talked to you, talked to you about uh, last episode that how much I loved the fact that they were going back to changing what the crawl was in the opening credits uh, whenever they were cutting to ATN News. Did they keep it the same? Kept it the same fucking same. But there was one I didn't talk about previously, which I did find funny. Actual literal crawl going underneath the uh, news the uh, news table. I think that's called a Chiron. I think they call that a Chiron, right? I have no idea. I always tell the crawl, but sure, Chiron. Uh, was tech giants plan to force America to eat lab-grown human meat. Sheesh. I can re- hear that on Fox News right now. But in terms of quotes, uh, from Kendall to Greg, I actually like this. I, I, I don't think it was the most extreme, but that was my favorite one. You okay, dude? Uh, you're wondering if you tied your dick to a runaway train here? You aren't Judasing, Greg, are you? I enjoyed that line. Okay, I got one. Roman, I hope you're not anxious that you've changed yourself to a fire hydrant that spews out cultural insensitivity and sperms. <laughs> same idea. Exact same kind of sentiment behind that line. Uh, for- you and me, we run it to fuck, Spencer. Absolutely. Uh, this be Greg to Kendall. I don't really want to go to Congress again. I'm kind of young to be in Congress so much. Uh, here we go from Tom. It's good to know we don't have an unbalanced love portfolio. Uh, Kendall to Shiv. You're angry with yourself. You know I did the right thing. 
You're angry with yourself for never doing it. You tell yourself you're a good person, but you're not a good person. Right now, I'm the real you. Brutal line shows that Kendall doesn't understand people, doesn't understand how to get them in his camp, but as it's so often with Kendall, it's got truth to it and it has some influence on her. Here's one from Roman. Right, a spontaneous, heartfelt outpouring of thoroughly lawyered emotion. <laughs> I like that one. Um, let's see here. Greg's line to Ewan. If everyone's going to show up to battle in armor, I feel kind of exposed here in my loincloth. That was a wonderful little allegory kind of statement. Final one for me, and this is Logan. You drop some bombs, you get burnt too, you know? Uh, I got I got a few other ones, if you don't mind. Uh, Roman. Yeah, fire away. Uh, oh, you mean us? This multi-fucking ethnic transgender alliance of 20-something dreamers we got right here? Hilarious fucking line. Uh, Condor's understated line of, oh, come on, we, kn we knew, was I thought was rather powerful. Of where he's again just trying to cut through the crap when it comes to his other siblings and focus on the fact, knowing isn't guilt, we need to admit right now that we knew, though. That's an important part of getting beyond this and moving past it. Um, let's see here. I, I'm, one of the last ones for me. Oh, do the last two ones. Um, Kendall's line of, look, guys, I don't know what I think about Dad. Uh, I love him. I hate him. I'm going to outsource that to my therapist. But he was going to send me to jail, you know? He'd do the same to you, Rome. Khan. Shiv, I don't know. I don't know, maybe. So what do we owe him here, really? That's the most honest Kendall is about why he did what he did the entire episode. So much of the past has been him fronting. This is cutting through what happened and why. And even just, regardless of the guilt about knowing about Cruises, whatever else, he's, got, he's played every other card he has. This is the one that nobody can dispute. Our dad is an asshole. Our dad cares about himself and about us to no degree. Seeing him, seeing him just lay this out, I think is the most persuasive he ever is when it comes to his siblings. Uh, final one, final two from Roman. Uh, no, I'm like 98 for sure those are poisoned or not poisoned when referring to the donuts. And oh no no no, those are relevant donuts from Roman. Great, Roman's on fire this episode. So everything's great. He certainly is. And in that vein, winner of Mine of Succession season. Three, episode two is Roman. Oh, us. You mean this multi-fucking ethnic transgender alliance of 20-something dreamers we got right here. I picked this one because it keeps everything in perspective. These are still the elite of the elite. I still don't feel bad for a fucking one of them. Fuck them all. These are not, these are not the people that we should be fighting for or feeling bad for in any, any stretch of the imagination. I like that, that Roman, of all people, keeps us grounded, that we're still supposed to hate every single one of these fucking characters. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now we move on to who wins Roy of the Week. I we got gonna say I'm, I'm Team Kendall. I'm no, still Team Kendall. Can't be Kendall this time, man. Can't, can't be Kendall. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give Kendall loser Roy of the Week. He is the he's the last ranked uh, Roy of the Week, well, I believe. Which is interesting because he has some good moves. He has some good moves. He has some good insight. But man, does he overplay his it's hand? It's that last turn. ten minutes, man. Yeah. When he becomes a child and he just starts spewing anger. Like first it's, off, I think he, it's bad. You know, it's bad in the moment because it just looks bad. And I think he really does lose his his siblings' votes in the short and medium term. But it also scares me for what he that what his reactions are, right? Like, what if a board vote doesn't go his way? Is he going to start calling every board member a fucking asshole? Like, is that is that the gear that he has? Because if so, he needs to be protected because he can't do that to people that aren't his siblings. He can't. This cannot be something uh, a reaction that he has as he tries to continue this this takeover. I agree. It is a 
a revelatory moment in terms of our insight into Kendall that he reacts in this way. It is short-sighted, it is cruel, it is petty, childish in a way that I always knew he was a bit of a bro, a bit of a douche. I didn't see him as being this immature, though, before this moment. Yeah. So he's last. All right, let's do some nominees for for well, winner. I think I, I think we have to assess which Roy's we're even talking about here because there's a lot of Roy's at work. I mean, we got Roman, we got Shiv, we got Logan. And I think Greg factors into the equation this time. Greg around. is one, and so is Ewan. Ewan's from there too. Yeah, good call. Uh, I, I think the next bottom two, I would say, probably I, Ewan's almost just. I would put Greg next, maybe, just because I think he actually makes some intelligent moves, but I think he ends up in a bad place. It ends up just with yeah, further he proving there's no one in his camp. He's asking the right questions, but he never got an answer. Well, he, he doesn't know basically. who to... He has no one to ask these questions to, is what he's starting to learn. Everybody's well, self-interested. But, but what, I mean is he's, yeah. what I mean is he's identified the problem, but he's not been able to fix the problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I put Ewan just a step above him, just because he's kind of removed from the game. And I don't think he had a bad episode. And I think he actually kind of accomplishing what he wants out of this to a certain degree. But I think some of the sting of what Kendall said to Shiv also kind of bleeds onto him. I agree. So top three, though. Who went, Who would be your order for the top three? What we got here? So I've got Connor at three only because he does <laughs> have a Connor. Fine episode. We have four. We have four. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, Connor. Connor's. Yeah, I guess maybe Logan at four then, and then Connor at three, um, because I, I, for me, it's got to be it's got to be Shiv and Roman who are at the top two. Why? Because they are the only ones that actually get something tangible out of this episode. Shiv gets the president position, which actually like the whole knock on her why she can't be CEO. We hear it over and over again for now two two seasons, two episodes is she doesn't have experience. She's never actually been in the company. Well, here you go. Yep. Here's your position. Big time. President of the fucking company that sets you up to be the CEO. If you want to be the CEO later, it's also a good position within its own right, just to have, she can affect change in the company. She can help drive uh, them through this crisis. If that's what she truly wants to do. If she really wants to help Logan, she can do that from that position of power. And then you got my boy, Roman, who it's very clear that he is locked up with the current CEO. Jerry's got a lot of pull, a lot of power. She's very smart. And it's clear that they, those two still have a very strong working relationship. As a matter of fact, when he was thinking about jumping ship and he confided in her about it, what did she say? We've got something good going on here. Yeah. Whoop. Yeah. So they're my top two. Yeah, I, I, I think those are reasonable choices. I, Connor's one of the things where I don't think he progressed any in the game. I think he mostly just showed us as an audience that we should take him seriously in a way we hadn't previously. Because in many ways, with, between the siblings interacting, he comes across as the most mature and level-headed in a way I never thought I would say about Connor. So I think it sh- it's a reminder that we should treat him as more of a player than we've previously been willing to do. And Logan's weird in terms of assessing him because he ends this episode in a far better position than he was, but man, has he had to pay for it. Yeah, I agree. So who do you award? Who, who, do, you, who do you think here? I'm actually, I, I think it's been the first time it's ever happened, but temper well... Ah, it's it's tough because I think on paper it should be Shiv, but I think she's an idiot if she thinks this is actually what this is actually everything that she wants. If she thinks that Logan's going to give her independent power or any degree to actually grow as her own self. Ah, she's a damn fool. So I give it to Roman because Roman gets something in this episode, but he has a realistic understanding of what that thing is. He knows, generally knows, he's in the ballpark of where what his position is. Um, with Jerry. And I think that that is a very 
good working relationship for him. And so because Shiv is so in the dark, like you pointed out about what her actual position is and what it's going to be, and it's all still very sort of anathema and, and amorphous, um, or not anathema, amorphous, like I, I think I think you got to go with Roman here. Well, it's one of the things we've talked before about how Roman goes about is solving these problems. And where Roman's actually investing in himself in a way everybody else hasn't. Shiv, Kendall, they're always just shooting for the top. They're always going after the king and they keep Shooting missing. the moon. They're shooting sh- the moon every game of hearts very much that they're, they're, they're going after the king you best not miss kind of kind of scenario and it keeps blowing up in their faces because that's the only thing they want it's the only progression per jerry's recommendation roman trained as a junior executive he's okay getting this apprenticeship and growing growing up in that way so i think his potential for advancement and growth is much more sustainable than his siblings just because he's being a much more reasonable about what his objectives are yep okay so there we go we have awarded Roy of the episode to Roman. So we go, the, the Roy of the episode counts so far. One Kendall, two Roman. That's where we're at with season three. Okay, Spencer, any concluding thoughts you liked? This is a pretty rare occurrence here on Mangum Talks. I mean, we have reviewed a lot, a lot of television in our day. And very, very rarely do you rate an episode above me. I'm always the, 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 the optimist, the ray of hope. And this one, you actually, you actually rated it above me, which I find very interesting. I, I think we've had a bit of a role reversal moment in a way I'm desperately uncomfortable with. I sincerely hope I despise the next episode so we can return to form. Are you already trying to like planning a zag? Like, well, maybe it wasn't so good. Hold on, let me. I, I, I've bit. still got five more. Shit. I've still got five more minutes in this podcast to make up something I hated about this episode, sir. I'm going to think of it before I'm done. I'm not saying this episode was bad. It wasn't bad, but I I do like plot movement. I yeah. mean, I, I like plot movement. I like I like to see big, big sweeping things happen. I like the shock, shocking moments, the aha moments. You didn't you, you didn't get that in this episode. That is not to say this episode was bad. I'm not saying this was a bad hour of television. I'm just saying for me, it uh, it crawled a little bit more than some of the other episodes of Succession. And you really, I mean, where I don't know that anything really tangible happened with the plot at all i mean it almost seems like a non-starter as far as where the plot went it's still very much a setup episode i think the title mass in the time of war is very accurate in terms of what the feeling of the episode is this is a bit of this is a bit of quiet where everyone finds out where the what side they're going to be on and by the end of this episode everybody's picked a camp everybody knows what side they're going to commit to maybe we'll see in a way they didn't previously but from here, I think it's just going to race because finally the armies are squared on the field and they're ready to wage war. I am ready for it. Let's get Ramsey Bolton up on the on the saddle. Let's get Jon <laughs> Snow up on the saddle. It's the battle, the big battle. I'm ready for it this season. We're going to get it. I mean, we're going to get we're we're going to get core, uh, boardroom drama. I know we're going to get that. I know we're going to get some FBI action. We're going to get a lot of like, you know, I fuck it. I'm not going to cooperate from Logan. I, I am super excited for where this is going. They are setting the chess pieces up extremely well. I will give them that. Now, this season is better set up than the other two. As far as like, I know where this is going and I have got a lot of faith. It's going to be very entertaining. Now your team Kindle out of loyalty, but after this episode, what, how much is your confidence in his ultimately ultimate abilities to succeed affected by what you saw, what you saw of him here? It was knocked down a bit. I mean, it's probably like I probably had a ten percent hit on my man Kindle. I mean, I, That's know, significant. I know he has. That's significant. I know he has this gear, but what troubled me is that he went to it so quickly and yeah. so with, and he got so out of control what? when he went there. It's one he of seemed things, really out of control. It's one of those things too of where they got frightened off by donuts that frame this, except what this is. 
If they're frightened off by donuts, by your dad's presence, you can get them back. But, because Kendall goes so aggressively in confronting them after this, he burns the bridge in a way that it wasn't previously. I think if he viewed they this much more long game... Knowledge. Yeah, if he viewed this more long game, he could see that a day, a week, whatever else, I can get them back in this. I don't have to have them now. Yeah. But he just it, lost control. Yeah, very much so. It, and that makes me like think that he needs people around him protecting him. If he has that gear, <laughs> he, he needs Lisa. When he gets a when he gets a no he doesn't like, and he if he loses control that way, he's got to have handlers around him that stop him from doing that because that that can, <laughs> cannot happen in certain. It can't happen in Congress. It can't happen in boardrooms. It can't happen with shareholders. Like that, this is not acceptable behavior. So we're gonna have to figure out a way to blunt that. But I'm with my guy Kendall because I like Kendall, Team Kendall, all the time. Rep up, one, two, yes, sir. I'm for the t-shirts. Team what? Kendall here. He, he, but I do think there was an awful, awful, awful lot of pseudo corporate pop culture self sabotaging <laughs> Kendall Roy Babble this episode. It was peak, peak Kendall in I, that respect. I, I it's almost from what you said. It's almost from a scenario of where Kendall kind of needs a Jerry. He needs that kind of you know in, great, great point. Intelligent rational reasonable figure to balance out his you know quality of ideas to present to nuance him in a way that he otherwise doesn't offer is that frank he's always seems to gravitate no, but I think towards frank, frank is too compromised that's frank the is issue too compromised for that yeah so i, I don't, don't know he can be frank but i completely agree with you he needs somebody like a jerry i just don't think he has it which is troubling maybe lisa can provide that but you know i actually mm. think you were right about lisa i don't think lisa's there for that i think lisa is there to keep him out of jail and that's going to be her role. And, and I think, and by the way, the actress who plays Lisa is Sanai Latham. I can't, I, I, sh- I was kicking myself all week. Lo- she played, she was in love and basketball. Sanai Latham is, is huge. She's, a, I, I knew I recognized her. I knew there was a reason I felt her presence on the screen at Sanai Latham. She's awesome. So yeah. I just wanted to shout that out, but I don't think that's her role. So I think Kendall is sa- sorely lacking that. And I think what we saw here is that he has got some real weaknesses and he can really get out of control in a way that is really, really detrimental to, to him and what he's trying to do. So, you know, we'll see if that comes back up. It's one of those things where I think the person that he's usually going to turn to in these moments when he has nobody else to turn to and his family's rejecting him is going to be Naomi Pierce. And I don't think that's what he needs for what yeah. we're talking about. They, they work yeah, together in a lot of ways, do a line. but not in the way that he needs to for this, you know, business advancement kind of thing. You know what this boardroom needs? A few lines of Coke. There you go. That's, the, that's what Naomi's going to offer for everybody. Oh, Lord. Ooh, she's a wild one. Okay. Any more concluding thoughts of the episode or predictions for what we're going to see next episode before we wrap up? Well, as I've already called it, uh, this episode just proves that Logan's going to win everything, that Kendall stands no chance, that he's going to end this series either dead in a ditch or so utterly broken as a person that he has no further possibility of ever threatening Logan and his enterprise. So, yeah, that, this is my confident prediction that I'm making. I'm going to say that it, we skated over it. But Logan's, I think, rather rash decision to just say, scrap the plan, I'm going back to the States, might come back to Biden. Oh, that, might be, that might be something that, it, that doesn't, doesn't work out are, too well for our boy Logan. Are you suggesting this in light of the fact that we already have seen in the next episode preview the FBI show up at headquarters? I quite honestly did not check, did not watch that, and I don't watch that. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I'm not so, mad that you told me, but I, I never watch next week on because I, I feel like it spoils things. So well, I, I never, okay. I don't, I don't watch it. Then how about this? You saw it in the initial uh, season trailer about Logan telling the FBI to just leave and come back later. Yes, that that is there. Yeah, so I I, I know that's coming. Probably, um, you know, you don't know the context or anything, but I I don't know. I just felt like. It's rash. They were very, they were all on board with Logan doesn't need to, Logan needs to be somewhere. Logan needs to be in Sarajevo. 
yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, boop, nope, I'm going back. And I feel like eh, that that might not be a great move for him. Well, he doesn't have a Jerry there. Everybody needs a Jerry. Every, any, anyone's camp in, in the show would be improved by having a Jerry level of advisor in there. Instead, Logan's got Frank. Uh, he, has no, he has nowhere the equivalent of honest, hard advice. Completely agree. But now... Now she, now Jerry has been elevated to an actor, right? She's been, she's now an actor in this play. She's not a support staff. So, you know, she's, she's got her own power plays and, and go uh, own work, things that she's going to be doing now that she's CEO. Indeed. And I, I wonder to what degree they understood that when they picked her for the role. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. I am so happy to be talking succession. My God, this is the best time of year. Succession time of year is the best time of year for all of us. I love, absolutely love this television show. It is really, really, really good. I think it's the best show on television. I am willing to say that, stake my claim on it. I think it's the best produced, best written, most engaging and thought-provoking hour of television I watch every single week. I really, really love it. And I enjoy talking about it with you, Spencer. You're you're an absolute phenomenal co-host. Thank you for being here with me. I really enjoyed this hour. Well, we're, we're two hours now. Nonetheless, still really enjoyed it. This is a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening. If you want to listen to more of our stuff, just go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you like what we're doing here on Line of Succession, please subscribe, but then rate and review us. The rating and the and the reviewing on Apple, that's actually really important. It moves us up to search rankings. And every time we move up to search rankings, we get more listeners. We bring more people into the fold and we expand this podcast, which is a lot of fun. And the more people we can bring in, the better, the more fun we'll all have. So please, if you're enjoying it, subscribe, rate and review. We appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. And we will be back with you next week for season three, uh, episode three. Hope you all have a good week. Talk to you then. Okay, so I messed up. What? Sorry, folks. I'm not perfect. I know. We, I know. Have, it's a we have evidence to the contrary Probably there, sir. Probably all thought I was. Probably all thought I was after the way I nailed that recap. <laughs> no, um, I skipped over my, actually my favorite segment. I know it sounds a little hollow now. It's my favorite segment since I skipped over it, but I was just rolling. I thought we were done. I thought we finished up our, our segments. I wasn't thinking. And I kicked myself for it, Spencer. Why? Because I had not heard Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. But here we are. We're back for round two, part two of the podcast for Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. Spencer, don't leave the people hanging. Let us know. It's going to be a bit of a scene talk this time with some advice thrown in it. But for me, one of the most powerful scenes in this episode was built was built around the most insignificant item possible. The fucking donuts. The, arri- the, donuts. the arrival of those donuts, that innocuous tea time gift from Logan had the most profound effect on his children compared to everything that Kendall had said previously. He could have, they could have, he could have offered them anything. They could have been, had them completely committed to the cause, but those donuts sent them in a com- absolute opposite direction instantly. And I'm curious to ask you, what message was Logan trying to convey when he sent these donuts here? Was it just a, I've got my eyes on you, or I'm aware of you, I'm still present even when I'm not? What do you, what, what do you, how do you interpret this gesture on his part? I am God and I know everything. I think that's an accurate read of it. And my advice really is to the Roy children that if you're ever in a relationship with your parents or any other significant figure of where you... In a relationship with your parents? Well, if you've got this kind of reaction to them as an adult, if you've got this kind of response of where their sheer presence is enough to got you hiding under a blanket, 
of where the reminder that they exist in the universe is, got, is enough to have you running to the hills, regardless of what you want, regardless of what you yourself want to accomplish. This isn't a healthy relationship, and the only response that you can have is to leave. And it's something that the Roy children constantly struggle with, of where they seem logically aware of what power their father has upon them and how toxic and dangerous it is for them, and yet can never get away from it. And the f if you see this moment of where even a, a note that says something completely different can have you quaking in your boots and questioning all of your life choices until the only way you're comfortable is to do whatever you think would make them happy, you don't have a relationship. You, ha you are a slave to another person. And that's something you need to recognize and get away from as early as possible. These guys seem incapable of recognizing it. They seem incapable of imagining a world where he can exist over them and they can ever operate independent from him. And that's never true. No matter your avarice, no matter what you're going to want to get out of the universe, that's never the case. And you need to get out of that mindset in a way the Roys just seem incapable of ever doing. So on the subject of fucking donuts, this is my relationship advice in the episode. And leave it to Roman to always say the quiet part out loud, right? Because Roman said, I think Shiv was like, well, he's not infallible. And Roman was like, yeah, but I just think he's never failed and never yeah. will. Like, and I think that's kind of where the kids' heads are at. And I think that Logan knows that he has that presence with the children. Mm -hmm. And I think he obviously curates that. Mm -hmm. And the, the donuts were a, were a power move. It was, a, I know you're there. I know everything. I'm God. You can't slip anything by me. And I also think that like part of when Logan tells Marsha, I can't eat shit. It's part because of his that personality. Image. But I also think, yeah, exactly. He's got to maintain that thing of like, I never, ever, ever show weakness. I always am a step ahead of everybody. And I can't apologizing to showing weakness. And I think that factors into why he's coming back to the States is that the power of Logan is in his presence. It is in the aura that emanates from this man. Just simply sending messages can have that influence. But being there for it, talking to these people, it's exponential in terms of the amount of influence he can have. So... It, it is, I agree with you, that it is a conscious effort on Logan's part. And I think he wielded it beautifully is a weird way to say what I think is one of the most vile moments of the episode. But I, I'll give the man credit. The fact he made it innocuous makes it all that more powerful. If he'd sent like a singing telegram or an agent to the door, I don't think it would have the same influence as a nice note. As a hope you're doing well. A singing, a singing agent. What I said a saying? singing telegram. I watched Clue recently. I've got it in my head. Sorry. A singing telegram. If you haven't seen Clue, you need to watch it. <laughs> if you write write out his note on a typewriter and send it via. Hey, you sent donuts. Um, it's in the same category, according to you. That's true. I did make the point. Donuts are fucking old school. Don't don't send donuts and don't get donuts for meetings. That is a life lessons with Lee here for the episode. Okay, I like it, Spencer. You. They, they need to get out of the relationship with Logan. They need to break up with Logan. And that's what Kendall's offering. That's what my guy Kendall is offering, but it looks like they're not going to. Well, it's, it's so common when it comes to a relationship with an abuser of where they don't have to say the thing. They just have to indicate the slightest expression of disapproval. And you're already afraid because you know what it can mean, whether it's said or not. And so when you're operating on your life on pins and needles, imagine what, and just a fearful, the slightest slip is going to impale yourself. You're not living a life. You're, you're exist. You're existing as someone else's well prisoner and strength. Strength is noticing you have that power over someone and breaking it. Strength is saying, I can tell that when I do a slight movement or something, I I'm a little bit disappointed. This person could completely 
cowers. I need to stop that from happening. I need to tell, I need to do what I can to break that because that is, that's obviously super unhealthy and it's not a way to operate with anybody. So if you notice you have that power over somebody, I would say strength is breaking that and, and trying to create more of a level playing field for your, for yourself and your, and your friend, your family member, whoever else you're in a relationship. I feel like you're paraphrasing a Schindler talking to a Mon Gath when you say that particular bit of advice, but it is solid advice. Yeah. You got to break that. You got to break that mold. That's, that's not, it's a negative, negative thing for the person uh, who's in that abusive relationship. And then for you, who's the, the, the sometimes unknowing abuser. Anyway, that is our episode. Gosh, darn it, Spencer. I promise you, I will not forget relationship advice in the episode. Next Damn week. straight. I have enjoyed this. As I said previously, thank you all.